wraps up everything. The greatest decade in blues history is over, and we're here to talk about it. It's a bonus episode, so who needs an introduction? Let's get started, and let's go blues. Welcome to a bonus episode of the Two Guys One Cup podcast on Friday, January 3rd, 2020. Ian, we are recording live from a whole new decade. Mm-hmm. How are you doing tonight? How's it feel to be in a new, fresh decade? First podcast of the decade. Gonna, Best podcast of the decade. I'm going to turn 30 in this decade, and mm-hmm. it's not going to be late in this decade. Yeah. I don't like that. This year. Oh, I don't like that. Sucks to be uh, you. Well, at least I'll have, you know, old a man funeral. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are, uh, we had a, a long holiday break for us by our standards. Mm-hmm. And we recorded on Monday. If you didn't hear that, go back and listen to it. Uh, you must. And we will record again next Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm so confident in our schedule. I'm just so <laughs> confident to talk about games and news and such. Uh, but in the interim, we've got this, this wacky thing. We're going to look back at the decade that has been blues hockey and mm-hmm. to a lesser extent NHL hockey. Uh, what a decade it was. We had we lost half a season thanks to a lockout. Mm. We got to play in one and only one Olympic game. Now they played in 2010, too, technically. Yeah. Um, but who cares? Nobody. Nobody cares. <laughs> uh, Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, mm. Alex Ovechkin, three of the... I don't know, 10 or 15 greatest NHL players ever, assuming, you know, Conor McDavid stays healthy and all that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, general thoughts on the decade, I guess. You know, precedents yeah. also were precedent during that time. It's hard to... They invented Uber, Uber. I think. so. Just last year. Yeah, that's right. It's hard to separate this decade now that the Blues have won the Cup from the Cup win. But Uh, if I can, if I can kind of push my brain just to before that. um, What I remember the most about the NHL this decade is... Mismanagement. Just just total mismanagement. (laughs) Um, Really, for a while there, it looked like it was just uh, dynasties when you thought dynasties were done because of the cap. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had three Blackhawks Stanley Cups. You had two Kings Stanley Cups. You had two Pittsburgh Stanley Cups. You had a Bruins, which granted they've only won the one, but they were in it last year. They were in it 2013. It's And then the one Washington Cup before us, which is nice to see. But like, it just seemed like it was really weird. It was always the same teams. And when the Blues were floundering and not doing very well in the playoffs, that was fucking annoying. Isn't that quite honestly? Yeah. That's what I remember. The, mo- the most thing I remember is it was fucking annoying. Is what this decade Isn't was. Isn't that nuts though? Because like you look back and like I remember distinctly not that long ago and less than two years ago, thinking no one but the Blackhawks or Penguins will ever win the Stanley Cup again. It's mm-hmm. just going to be them and the Kings and maybe Boston forever. And then the fact that. We were one of the te- one of the next two teams, not mm-hmm. them, to win it. 
and both of them were new winners, first-time winners, and it's just like, man, that's crazy, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I haven't really thought about the dynasty element because I don't, I don't think I know the Blackhawks, Blackhawks aren't getting back, and I don't think the Penguins are getting back for another one unless they score some young stud Kings to play are. alongside Crosby. Kings four, four certainly down, aren't, yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, it is kind of like transformational mm-hmm. now that, like, Bruins are still there, but, you know, and you're looking at us hurricanes. and the Avs and the Hurricanes mm-hmm. as, like, the cream of the crop, you know, the Lightning, if they can get on track, and the Maple Leafs to some extent. But, like, it's a totally different, like, power yeah. structure if now. I told you in 2010, and I don't think they were that good, but I told you in 2012 uh-huh. that by the end of this decade, the Tampa Bay Lightning wouldn't have won the Stanley Cup. That'd be insane. Yeah. Like, no, they most certainly won at least one. It's like, no. In fact, what if I totally get swept in the first round? Um, The other thing this decade saw a lot of and saw maybe a transformation to was the reliance on, like, younger and younger players to be contributors in this league. Uh In 2010, Taylor Hall and Tyler Sagan were, like, the only guys yeah. that were young players playing this league, as far as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Now you get consistently, you get people in the first or even second round that get drafted that the next year might not play that year, but they're playing the next year after they were drafted, and they are still 19 or 20, uh-huh. 21, and that that was never done in the, you know, from 2000 to 2009, 2010. Mm-hmm. That's something you see a lot more consistently. We saw it with Robbie Fabry. We see it with Robert Thomas. Granted, this isn't everybody, you know. Yeah. You don't see every team doing this with their talent, but you wouldn't have seen any of those players mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's a younger younger league for sure, and that's allowed teams like the Avalanche to explode, you know. They, yeah. I mean, I've just looked this up for fun. The the year they went and had forty eight points was sixteen seventeen. Who's this? The Avalanche. Oh, okay. This was that's three seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Ian, do you want to name the playoff teams from that season? The sixteen seventeen. Yes, season. that weren't you know obviously weren't the Avalanche because you think now mm-hmm. it's us, it's Toronto, it's Boston, it's Colorado, it's the Hurricanes that are like in mm-hmm. the Lightning that are like in power in the NHL. Yeah. 16-17. Start with the Central, because okay. that should be fairly easy. 16-17, that was the Penguins one, their mm. second one. So the Central is us, 16-17, us, Nashville, Chicago, Minnesota. Yep, that's right, that's okay. it. There's no four. I remember that because Nashville swept <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> yeah, oh boy. Um, Ooh, child. <laughs> okay, so Pacific is San Jose. Uh-huh, but not as, like, the top team. Yeah. San Jose, Anaheim. Yeah, Anaheim was 105 points that year. Yeah, what? There's no Vegas yet. No, but guess who number two was? Was it L.A.? No, L.A. missed the playoffs that year. Okay, that that sounds right. Anaheim, San Jose, number two. Was was Vancouver? No, Vancouver was bottom of the league with, wait for it, 69 points. Wait, Oilers. Nice. It was the Oilers. I knew it. That was the year they made it. 103 points, and the Flames were in fourth with 94. 
The Eastern Conference was the Capitals, the Penguins, the Blue Jackets, and the Rangers. Oh, yeah. The Rangers had a little bit of time there where they were playoff good. And the Maple Leafs and Bruins trailing in order at the top of the Atlantic Division, the Ottawa Senators and the Montreal Canadiens are at 103 points. So this league's gone crazy in the last yeah, three years. I was like, and that was, yeah, three years ago. Was that the year? No, it was a year later the Senators made the final, wasn't it? The Eastern Conference, Conference final. final. Or was it that year? No, I think it was that. Yeah, because yeah, 17 18 would have been the yep. Capitals and then 18 They took the Penguins to Game 7. Yeah, insane. Nuts. And then to think, like, even what's... Here's a sad fact. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres, I believe, made the playoffs once in this decade. Mm-hmm. They had 78 points. The there. Oilers, what we just talked about, that was the only time they made the playoffs in this decade. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's almost sadder than some of the teams that haven't made it in this decade. Oh, probably yeah. sadder, yeah. <laughs> I'd rather have no just, hope. Yeah, just give me consistently no hope. Um, for the St. Louis Blues, I guess we can move there, I guess, since it's sure. our team. Uh, we've been through some stuff this decade. We've had three captains, Eric Brewer, who took over in 2008. And pour one out for your boy. Carried the flag in very large air quotes until 2011. I feel bad for Eric Brewer. Oh, for Brewer. sure, for no, sure. Like, he didn't ask to be traded for Chris Pronger. And That's he was right. a package deal with, like, two other players. Uh, that were both disappointments. Yeah. And you know what? Eric Brewer is going to be on my team of the decade. Or is he? You'll have to wait and listen He's not. He's definitely God, not. No. <laughs> um, David Backus might be on the team of the decade. Who knows? <laughs> he was captain from 11 to 16, and then Alex Petrangelo has been captain from 16 until the present day, and hopefully to God forever. <laughs> <laughs> we signed him. Uh, we had Andy Murray until yesterday, 10 years ago yesterday. Mm-hmm. On January 2nd, 2010, he was fired and replaced by Davis Payne. That's how your decade starts. January 2nd, That's how your decade starts. Your decade starts... Boom, Andy Murray is shit. Get him out of here. New head coach, Davis Payne, young, carrying this team through its young core into the new generation, and he's gone a year and a half later. I was at both of these games. One and a half years <laughs> later. And that's how your decade starts, and it ends with a Stanley Cup, which, speaking of Stanley Cups and Davis Payne, uh, the the like backdrop in the NHL Network studios, like on the on the panel walls, on the side walls, they've got like, you know, digitized cups that are like, you know, just inscribed, which is fine. It's a cool decoration. But like on the like hard camera on on the guy to the right's chair, right always right over their right shoulder is Davis Payne's name from mm-hmm. the whatever twenty fourteen Kings or whoever it yeah. was, you know, because he was an assistant coach there for so sad. long. And so I see his name on the cup every like couple of days and I'm like, what? Why is this happening? But hey, worked we lost out, the glasses. It worked out for everybody, you know, mm-hmm. except for Mike Yo. He got really, yeah, he got I, really screwed. I was at the glass. Whose bench is he on the flame? Flyers. So they're doing Mike all right. Yo, yeah. Flyers are doing all right this year. I was at the last game of Murray, Payne, and Yo. Don't don't you step on the punchline now? Mm-hmm. No, you. That's amazing. So those two, those don't first go to two any lost more to games. The Wild games. I was at away games thank, against the Wild both times. Thank God you didn't go into games during Coach's Gate or. something. Something would have broken about me. Uh, Mike, Ken Hitchcock took over, coached 413 games. We'll talk about him later. Mike Yo, 
uh, 133 games from 17 to 2018. And then, of course, Craig Berube, who has almost coached as many games as Mike Yo at this point, which is so very, very sad. Wow. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was... Uh, that was the Blues. They had Larry Plow as general manager until 1st of July 2010, and really kind of effectively retired before that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Doug Armstrong for literally everything else. So we've got a number of, of lists and retrospectives, if you will, uh, that we've built, and uh, we were kind of undecided on where we should start. But do you think we should start with the top ten moments? Let's do it. We've talked about, you know, we've got a big timeline we're going to go through, but if we go through the timeline, then you'll have heard all the moments and they won't be as special. So we figure we start there. Uh, This is a list I concocted and ordered, and this is one of the few things that's kind of ordered. So I'm curious to get your thoughts and any Mm -hmm. omissions you think I had. Uh, So we'll just start. Number 10, I put the Troy Brower goal Mm -hmm. on... Some date in history. I wrote it down. Up until that Give point. Give me a minute. One of the few successes in Blues playoff history. Uh-huh. Absolutely. It was on April 25th, 2016. Uh, that was just like, uh, that was the greatest goal in Blues history to me at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I know there were some others. I know there was the Miracle on Ice or, or Monday Night Miracle. Not the Miracle on Ice, different thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, that was way before my time, and so... Uh, this was the one to me that was so such a big deal, um, you know, and it would remain the greatest goal until Maroon and Gunnarsson and Petrangelo scored the second goal in Game 7, you know, those mm-hmm. level of Stanley Cup goals. So uh, that's my number 10. No qualms with that being on there. Mm-hmm. Not furious no right qualms. now. I can't wait to. <laughs> I got qualms. Qualms. <laughs> He's this qualm flag. Oh, he should have given you a card like an auction. <laughs> well, at least he's got something to say. <laughs> Uh, uh, number nine, I put, which arguably should go behind the Troy Brower goal, but it just seems so fresh. Uh, the 11-game winning streak. Mm-hmm. Longest winning streak in franchise history. It was such a weird and unexpected and still, frankly, unbelievable 180 for this team. And I just remember still being on a plane in the tarmac in Atlanta, I think, trying to get back here in like a snowy, awful night, and we played Toronto, and I was trying to listen to it on the crappy like reception I could get before taking off, you mm-hmm. know, through you know the space when you weren't supposed to. Uh, when I probably uh, shouldn't have been. I don't. I think it was pre that they. But yeah, I was. You a were real, on a list. I was a, a real outlaw, and I'm going to prison. But yeah, I just remember hearing it, hearing O'Reilly score, and trying to like. You know, like scream in my seat, but also do, be very silent and polite to the sweet little women that were next to me. And just it was, it was an awesome moment. I don't some, know. Some of the wins too in that streak are just amazing. Oh yeah, back to back wins here in St. Louis against Nashville, and then in Nashville, a Tarasenko just beasting it. That yeah, one got game. an amazing uh, goal. Didn't we have like a one nothing against Tampa? One nothing against Tampa. Shen overtime uh-huh. winner, I think, or mm-hmm. Shen late game winner. Yeah, one nothing. Oh, baby. Yeah, there were some nail-biters in there. We just refused to get beaten. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that, we lost to Dallas. Fuck Dallas. That's right. That's right. Sorry. I hate Dallas. No, you're right. Uh, June 25th, 2010 is my number eight. Do you know what happened on June 25th, 2010? June 25th. 
2010. Did we trade for Yaroslav? No, nope, but that's pretty close. Would have been around the same time we drafted Jaden Schwartz at number 14 mm. and then uh, traded David Runblad to the Ottawa Senators. Sorry, boys. Uh, <laughs> Vladimir Tarasenko at number 16. David Runblad, though, also a Stanley Cup on winner. Cu- it's funny. Cup. It's like everybody who we have discarded even throughout this uh, <laughs> this uh, decade have gotten mm-hmm. a Stanley Cup win. So it's like, it's a happy ending for everybody. That upset me a little bit before I won the Cup. When, I was <laughs> like, really? David Runblad's in the Cup, but Vladimir Tarasenko isn't. That's how extensive the curse w- felt. <laughs> oh. Um but yeah, that was, I mean, that you basically build the core of your forward group in about 10 minutes, you know, with without really surrendering an asset, ultimately. I mean, Rumblad was a hot commodity then, but he was never really anything after that. And, yeah, and as we've kind of learned, the first round, while much better than the other rounds, still isn't like a home run. Uh-huh. In terms oh, yeah, of especially in middle picks, yeah. yeah. So having Schwartz and Tarasenko turn out that well is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... That's that's for sure. I'm trying to think of other guys. We we probably drafted Merrick Schwartz around then. You know? <laughs> that was a real reach. Uh, <laughs> number seven on something something and some date 2014 January February 2014. Uh, the TJ Oshi shootout in Sochi. Mm. Not exactly a Blues moment, but he was a Blue at the time. And I remember it was so it was so weird to be like. You know, I've never been to the Olympics, which is a surprise to no one. But, like, it was weird because it was more than, like, it was more than country. It felt Mm -hmm. like more because it was, like, the whole country that you were cheering alongside was also learning about your person, yeah, yeah. you know, and it felt it felt weirdly like being a parent, which it wasn't. It wasn't. I get no, that. No, I but understand, like, yeah. But it was like, hey, that's our guy two on two levels, you know, for everybody else it's just one level, but for us it's two levels, you know. Yeah, like this is a hockey player and that's our hockey player. He was player. like a sensation for a week mm-hmm. or so there. You remember that? He was like on, oh, on USA Today, Today and all, yeah. yeah, all over the place and and it, I mean, he was. It was just such a dominant performance. Was, who was he beaten up on? Because it was Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky, yeah. yeah. And it was like, man, it was just. He's going up against Datsuk and Kovalchuk. Uh huh. And Kovalchuk had some howdy doodies. Yeah. There were some nice ones. Just time after just time. Uh, that was and, so cool. And I didn't even know they could do that until it was happening. Yeah. It was like, they can send him out again. Yeah. Again. <laughs> again. That's cool. IIHF didn't give a shit. I was asleep for or that's half what, of this. Or that's what? IOC yeah. or whatever, but. Like, it, I didn't... Oh, yeah, because it was super early, right? Yeah, I mean, it was, like, 8 in the morning, 8.30, and I think my mom walked in my room because I was, like, staying at home at the time from college, and she was like, hey, these, like, they're doing the shootout, and I was like, for what? She's like, for the U.S. game. I was like, okay. And she's like, TGO, she's shooting for, like, the third time. I was like, what? <laughs> I, like, ran out my underwear. I was like, what the fuck's happening? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was insane. Uh... So, yeah, qualms yet? Yeah, qualms. No, no qualms okay. yet. All right, you tell me if we have a qualm. Number six, February 19th, 2011. It was a Saturday morning. We traded Eric Johnson to the Colorado Avalanche, along with Jay McClement in a first-round pick for Kevin Shattenkirk and Chris Stewart, uh, and a second-round pick that became Ty Ratty, Blues legend Ty Ratty. <laughs> uh, Stewart went on to Buffalo in the Miller trade. Shattenkirk went on to Washington in 2017 for the Sanford trade. But this was just, like, such a paradigm shift for 
the blues mm-hmm. and it was it was a special a extra special to me because i was roommates at the time with a guy who was a big avalanche fan and uh as correspondent jordan actually people mm-hmm. people are familiar. Up, you know. <laughs> you know. but but um but yeah i just remember being able to like i think he was asleep still because that was like not like dawn but it was mm-hmm. like for college kids it was pretty early on a saturday morning and just waking up and being like what <laughs> you know, and having to wake him up and be like, "Hey, Jordan, this thing happened," and it was just, yeah, I, I mean, like it, those; those are fun. It was that and number five, uh, November six, two thousand eleven, when we hired Ken Hitchcock. I didn't even like; I wasn't so plugged in that I was like, for sure, I know who Ken Hitchcock is, mm-hmm. and like, this is great. But it was like, I knew everything people were saying about him, and it was just like, oh, this team that's been like, I like them, but they're basically a joke. Mm-hmm. Now it's like. Oh, they're like for reals, you know. Like, it's funny you say that because I remember him being the Blue Jackets coach, uh-huh. and I knew the Blue Jackets sucked, and they uh-huh. fired him. And I was like, "Why the fuck are we hiring this bozo?" Uh-huh. And then I had to read. That's the weird thing where I'm like, "Oh, there was a past beyond <laughs> the Blue Jackets, and in that past, he was very good." And yeah. Like, oh shit. Yeah, and it's just like that one year really is just the kind of the start of the oh, slow, yeah. slow, slow burn. A slow roll down the hill that became a Stanley Cup. So, uh, no qualms yet? We're good? No Qualmless? <laughs> okay. Number four, uh, July 1st, 2018, the Ryan O'Reilly trade. Uh, Tage Townsend, Vladimir Savoka, Patrick Burke went to 2019 first and a 2021 second? Second. Uh, we got our second 2021? Yeah, we do. Well, we got a fifth back for uh, Fox, so... Drew's the loudest. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, we get in one move. I mean, we didn't know it at the time, but we got a Selkie winner, a Con Smythe winner, and a Stanley Cup. Pretty good. Pretty decent. Uh, we would not have made the playoffs without Ryan O'Reilly mm-hmm. last season, much less everything he did in the playoffs. I was like, so. and you got to remember, he was the only player essentially that showed up production wise for uh-huh. the first half of that yeah. god awful season. Yeah. Yeah, he was like the playing a point per game pace from start to finish I mean, when half the team wasn't even playing hockey. I haven't, you know, been around forever, but I don't know of any other player who so immediately was just like, boom, fan favorite. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe a Matt Holiday in some respects when the Cardinals traded for him, maybe a Jim Edmonds, but like it was just like, all right, he's our guy. You yeah. know, like and even with all the sort of baggage about. Um, you know, his past, his past, and whatever, <laughs> whatever, past. well, you know, I mean, yeah. there is the actual Tim Hortons thing, and there's the somewhat imaginary locker room cancer thing, but, like, I don't remember that ever really being a, a discussion here, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a discussion sort of jokingly when the team was so bad, yeah. but he was doing so well that you couldn't really be like, well, he's the problem, you he, know? He uttered a sentence that... <laughs> 90% of players feel like on shitty-ass teams. Oh, all yeah. of a sudden, they were like, how, how could this be? And mm-hmm. it was like, how could it be? That's what they're all thinking. He said what they're all thinking. Well, he did that, and he had the audacity to sign an offer sheet. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yes. so for those two reasons, he became persona non grata in the league. But Like, Connor McDavid was like, I don't know, a brain molecule away from essentially being like, I've lost my passion uh-huh. for the game last year after the Oilers fucking sucked when he again. Did you that, can see it in his eyes. He went the other way, but it's basically the same speech where he was like, if you don't believe in this team, you don't belong here. Mm-hmm. What he was saying there, guys, is I don't think I believe in this <laughs> team. I don't belong here. <laughs> 
what the hell is that? Like, what job should be in question? So number. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a like uh, one thousand IQ play if you like thought that out and said it like that number. Uh, you don't believe in this team. You don't belong here. And then like a week later, uh <laughs> they would ask for a trade. Uh that would be so legendary. <laughs> um Okay. Number three, uh I think a huge moment in blues history, a big moment in league history and I think sort of something we probably overlook in retrospect because of the stuff that's happened after it, but the Winter Classic, November, or November, January 1st, 2017, uh, is, yeah, I mean, that was huge for the franchise, it was huge for the city, I think it put us on the map, on the on the bet map, if you will, <laughs> because, um, you know, in Not terms of... a place of you want to be sometimes. That with the renovations that didn't even make this list, but, mm-hmm. like, that was sort of the moment where it was like, oh, crap, this is a serious franchise, and then we went a cup. I mean, we must have climbed, you know, in, like, the last five years, we must have, like, shot up the, mm-hmm. the legitimately, like, the league, you know... Whatever, whatever it is, yeah. Uh, Casual interest level, yeah. Because you know, I mean, I would. We got the All Star Game coming mm-hmm. here in a in a couple of weeks, and we might be the Winter Classic opposing team. Yeah, in Minnesota there's a good chance year. of that, um, which you know we can talk about now or next week. But, Stay tuned. Uh, no official news yet, but there's certainly a possibility. And you know, I think we'll ha- I think we'll probably have a draft here. Eventually, yeah, that'd be cool. Oh, please. Would, that that'd would be, be the sweet. one. That would be the one weirdly, even though it's by far the boringest one, where I'd be like, "Yep, gotta be at that." Yep, I can watch the All Star Game. I can watch the Winter Classic. This one I gotta go to because uh, I'm a nerd. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it was a big moment for us. We won, which didn't help, didn't hurt. We debuted the. Uh, heritage jerseys that have become such a fan favorite since then. Uh, it's just an overall grade A win for the team mm. and the franchise, and uh, really the last kind of positive moment of the of the Ken Hitchcock era. Because right after that, we went on a real nasty losing streak that led to his being fired. It was like I I legitimately think that season the team was like we're gonna like keep our horses in it. Until the Winter Classic, we're going to get there. We won it. Okay, we quit. I like it. Seriously, like, <laughs> we quit on this like guy. It. Because right after that, I mean, he was fired a month later. Right after that, it was just like, yeah, we're going to lose a lot because we hate this guy. And remember when, because he was getting close to Scotty Bowman or somebody, and they just would not win. Mm-hmm. He had, like, four wins left, and they were just like, no. Nah. <laughs> you know? And I legitimately think that's, like, what happened. As we'll talk about, there was a, a coach in waiting of sorts that uh, uh, was also there. Happy but, moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number two, happy moment, happiest moment. In some ways, deserves to be number one, except, I mean, number one's pretty obvious. But um, Tom Stoneman buying this team is mm-hmm. kind of like the domino that set up all the other dominoes uh, because that was in 2012 because he, you know, not only did he buy it and keep it here, obviously, is a big part of, you know, being St. Louis Blues fans, but the dude pours himself into this team. He pours his money into this team. He's never bitched or complained about spending to the cap. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't get the sense that he, that Doug Armstrong has ever had to fight Tom Stillman on anything um, and when you look around the NHL at some of the owners that some of these poor teams are stuck with, uh, you know, the outright bad ones like Eugene Melnick and 
I don't know, think of another one. Uh, the or the Padula, they're good, right? They're good. But they're like the team sucks, but they're good. But Is yeah. the Oilers one any good over Cates? Oh yeah, yeah, like yeah. Melnick cool and Cates. And then the ones that are just kind of like uh, inactive, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like the Ducks management is that way. Like, we're just going to let Bob Murray do it forever. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Stan Kroenke. Yeah, Stan Kroenke, exactly. Uh, you could be a lot worse. I mean, I don't think you could be a lot better, honestly, than Tom Stoneman. But, uh, like, same as we we said this last year a lot when Doug Armstrong, you know, pe- some people were calling for his head. I'm like, oh, you can do that. But just look around. <laughs> just think about it's available. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> think about like how Peter Chiarelli would be a top candidate for this job, and God, then maybe to, rethink it. You have to hold on to people as to not get worse. You got it. Yeah, you literally had to not fire Doug Armstrong so that uh, Tom Stillman wouldn't hire Peter Chiarelli or Chuck Fletcher. <laughs> uh, although you know Chuck Fletcher's doing all right right now, and. Uh, Philadelphia and mediocre is an improvement for the way mm-hmm. Philadelphia has been. So, and then uh, number one, I don't think I surprised anyone. June twelfth of this past summer, the Blues win the Stanley. I've got a qualm. <laughs> I've got a qualm. This is my qualm. I've been saving my qualm. Yeah, you talked about, or you mentioned earlier this week about going back and listening to our old podcast of when we won the cup, and it just, yeah, man. Not not to toot our own, our own horn, but go back and listen to it. It's just so great. Yeah. A, I, I got to re-listen the whole thing because I looked at it and uh-huh. I realized it was three oh, yeah. hours. Oh, yeah. I mean, of course it we was, but insane. also, what the fuck? And it wasn't even like our initial reaction podcast no. either. That was in a car on your street at two in the morning. I'm going to have to listen just out of pure morbid curiosity what we said for three hours. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. I remember we talked about every player and their contribution and stuff like that, but... Yeah, I mean, uh, there's no, you know, point in <laughs> hashing out what that meant to this mm-hmm. franchise or the fan base, but it's it's what all of this built to, built to and I was telling Ian before we started recording like literally this this decade begins with boom boom boom, a coach gets fired, a general manager retires and then the team's put up for sale. Like the three worst things theoretically that could happen to the health of a franchise. Uh, that's how the decade starts. And then it's just a slow uphill climb with a brief little divot mm-hmm. at 2017. Uh, up until a Stanley Cup. I mean, and that's like, you know, if, if we do this podcast another 10 years or 20 years or however long, which God only knows, we could be cut off the air at any moment. But uh, if we do, we'll never have the opportunity probably to review another decade like this, where it's just such a straight trajectory and, you know, hopefully some good stuff happens. But man, it's just... Uh, it's been it's been a, a normal one, as the kids say. These yeah, days. I would say this decade feels, in retrospect, <clears> like... How a decade should feel. Mm-hmm. If if you start out crappy, you just get better and better and better, and then you do the thing yeah. you're supposed to do. But yeah, I don't know what another decade could be because it kind of has to go down. But it could also be uh, littered with one or two more cups, which is cool to think about. I I'm very interested what the next decade brings because there's never been a Blues decade following a cup until now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What happens after you? Well, win the think Stanley about cup? if. Think about if you were like if we were a Cardinals podcast and be like, hey, we started with a World Series, cool, mm-hmm. and then it's been like we've been fine, mm-hmm. you know, and that's like <laughs> that's the whole thing. <laughs> no, that's like that's the whole thing. We went back to a World Series. We were kind of good this year, yeah. but then we were really bad. But then that's we had I mean. moments, and it's like, yeah, I feel like you'd have to try to be more optimistic. Mm-hmm. There'd be a lot of 
trying to sell your optimism. Whereas now I can just be like, I don't know what's going to happen. It's it's all it's all candy and nuts from here. That's right, uh, man. If we had a a sponsor that sold candy and nuts, that would have been a perfect transaction. Nature's box. <laughs> Nature's box. <laughs> well, you got to tell that story now if people nope. don't know. Okay. Just go type in Nature's Box and Bill Burr into YouTube. You'll be good. <sighs> All right. Uh, where do we go from here, Ian? We've talked uh, about the 10 moments of the decade. I'd like to do, before we get to the uh, timeline... I'd like to do uh, top ten goals for me. Okay. You can raise there's your some, there's raise your qualms. There's some overlap, I would assume. Yeah. But there's a little bit here. So Michael, but not faster, much. Not much. Yeah. No, 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 no. So these are <laughs> really drag it yeah, out. Yeah. Fill the space. Goals. My yeah. personal favorite goals is um, us watching Joel Edmondson score his first career goal. On there. They're not that personal. Good, 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 good. To be fair, so Joel Edmondson. Whiffed, rang it off the post. No, before he scored, I want to hit the post. I was gonna say, I wanted to say it was Boom Boom Gunnarsson where it was like off the post because Robbie Fabry jumped up and gave up on whatever play was happening. And then he had to, you know, find his position again and then pass it around. Then he scored, but yes, I distinctly remember Fabry putting the stick above his head and jumping off the ice and then having to get back in the play. So in classic uh, two guys, one cup passion, I just realized that our, our mics weren't plugged in this whole time and you've sounded kind of echoey and distant because you're not on the side of the computer mm. that the mic is on. So uh, go me, go us, we'll get better, I promise. <laughs> it's uh, a work in progress. This, uh, this, we'll have a full decade as next you, time. As you said, this is a, a decade retrospective, so it's only appropriate that the first half of our decade retrospective is real crappy and then we slowly <laughs> get a little bit better. So uh, you were talking about... About Joel Emmonson's goal and Robbie Fabry uh, jumping up and down in joyful mm-hmm. celebration, or not, of the actual goal that he s- did not score, and then uh, he ultimately did score, and we were mm-hmm. at that game. That may yeah. have been was that the last game we attended together? We were at a game. Oh, we went to game one in the playoffs. Yeah, too, and so. after and in between that, we were at a game. At the same time. Oh, yeah. That Philly game, which was just trash. Yeah, just terrible. What year was that even? That was, uh, that was the bad That was year. during the yo year. Yo era, right? Oh, the yo year. No, um, no, no. That was during the that was the middle yo year before it was fired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was rough. Mm, the yo year. Not good. No one likes the yo year. <laughs> yo year. Uh, but, yeah, number uh, top ten goals of yeah. the decade. This is your brainchild, and I will get to raise my qualms. And mm. the sound quality will be just so much better. And again, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. Well, leave us. They a, were raising their claws <laughs> from the beginning, but we couldn't leave, hear them. Leave us a review on iTunes and tell us how sucky, sucky we are. But give it five stars. No, that, that Steve Dangle podcast fucks up from time yeah. to time. So oh, you know everybody, what? everybody. We get a mulligan too. A couple right. more, really. That's right. the sports yeah, give us lots us. and lots of mulligans. Uh, go ahead. All right, number ten. I had to keep one. I had to put one in here. For T.J. Oshie, T.J. Oshie was scoring a goal while on his knees against the National Predators during the last game of the 2011 season. He goes forehand back in on Rene, 
all while sliding on his knees, and it was hot. Was that uh, we missed the playoffs that year? Oh yeah, most the goal was right. Oh no, yeah, I remember thinking I saw that goal live and thinking, wow, what a cool goal, and this team's cool, and I like this team. Too bad we're bad, but like, I, but I sure do enjoy the game of what hockey. A, that was such a great feeling, though, where it was like there are no consequences, and I can just like this team. That is interesting. You're right. If was, they lose, I don't have to feel that bad because we kind of suck. Yeah, the cup was not the goal. The cup, it was just like <laughs> make the playoffs so and be impossible. fun. Yeah, really. Oh no, most certainly. Yes, it most certainly did. It was just like be fun and be in the playoffs. And at that point. Because we had already we had played Vancouver already and got swept. It was like just win a game in the playoffs. It was very oh, Blue Jackets like, yeah. you know, just go for it. Uh, number nine, Tarasenko's first goal as a Blue in 2013 versus the Detroit Red Wings. His second goal. Was oh one. yes, it's both the goals. It's that game. Oh boy, I saw this goal while watching it on a shitty stream while I was up at college in Minnesota, and I about lost my goddamn mind <laughs> when he scored because it felt like it was for ever until he came over it felt like an eternity from when we draft him until he was here i mean it kind of was 2010 you draft him in the summer and then he's not over here till 2013 and of course Lock of course him. yes in nhl fashion they fucked us in the ass <laughs> and we had to wait till you know 2013 but that was uh oh those two goals were fancy mm. I, I loved them the first one's I... a stretch goal a stretch goal by or stretch pass by ian cole <laughs> oh my baby! And that second one, he does a little dipsy doodle on Howard. He was so <sighs> good. Was hot. And then it like it, numbers weren't actually all that great in that year. No, he had maybe finished with like eleven or so mm-hmm. goals, but got the first two. For as much as some people, not a lot of people, but some people still complain he's not a two hundred foot player. Go back and watch old Tarasenko because that's like a 20-foot player oh, that yeah. is like, get me the puck and I'll shoot, and when it's not on my stick, <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> and we were okay with that because we were a fledgling team that didn't know any better. We had just beaten the Sharks in a five-game series. We got swept by the Kings. We are like, who gives a shit? Oh, this team's fun. <laughs> <laughs> no expectations yet. That was number nine. Number eight, we got a string of Tarasenko. Tarasenko dangling through the New York Rangers defense and scoring with a Forsberg finish. On, I think at the time, was Auntie Ranta. Oh, shit, you're right. Because I remember like, oh, shit, he did that to fucking <laughs> one quest? And I was like, oh, it's Auntie Ranta. <laughs> but to be fair, that was good Auntie Ranta. So That's really, it's still yeah. impressive. Very good, very good. What a fantastic goal. Uh-huh. That was all over the place. That was probably like goal of the year that year. Yeah. Hmm. He was insane. I mean, he God. is insane. He'll this be, just makes me he'll sad. He'll be back. He'll I be know. back. Please come back. My son will be back. This reminds me of when David Perron was out with the oh concussion, which we'll talk about. But uh, where all of a sudden David Perron came back and was like, holy shit, David Perron's a player, and he's very good. I forgot all about that. Oh, my God. That was so dark. Um, go goal, ahead. Goal number seven. Tarasenko's late third period goal to send the Blues to overtime in game two against the Chicago Blackhawks in 2014. Uh, I was at this game. This was the wakey-wakey Brent Seabrook-David Backus game. Uh, Brent Seabrook slams into David Backus's head with five minutes left in the period, the third period, and gets a five-minute major, gets tossed from the game. The Blackhawks are up 3-2. to two. Tarasenko gets the puck, I guess, with what must have been six on four at the time, uh, with seven seconds left, whips a wrister from the top right circle, goes past Crawford. Someone's in front screaming him. Uh, the place goes fucking bonkers. I went nuts. I brought a college buddy to the game who had been to no 
NHL hockey games ever, and I felt awful for him because I think you saw one of the best <laughs> games I've ever been to, and I was like, they, a lot of them are like this, but most are not this good. So, and then the Blues went on to win that game in overtime on a Barrett Jackman goal. And, oh uh, frick yeah! It was so nice. That was right. The game before that, the game one of that series was when was it Steen? I think Steen scored in a triple overtime. I think it went to fucking triple overtime. Oh, Jesus. I was at a Buffalo Wild Wings for that game. I wanted to die. <laughs> I was like, just end the game. I don't care who wins. Oh, my God. I was so scared. But, yes, that was goal number seven. Now we get to a string of, I believe these, I guess that was a power, uh, a playoff goal. String of playoff goals because, obviously, those are the best goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, goal number six. Steen's game one OT game winning goal against the LA Kings in 2013. Was this where he ganks it yep. from Johnny Quick? Yeah, yanks it from behind, puts it in. This was when we got a really shitty call against us for, I forget what it was. I don't think it was delay a game. Maybe it was delay a game. Oh, it might have been delay a game. <laughs> where uh, we were now down, you know, five on four on the PK in overtime. It was like right as overtime started. It fucking sucked. And yeah. somehow we got away with it. That was a shorthanded goal. Steen inexplicably oh I can't believe, I forgot about stays that. behind and tries to poke it off of Because he was like forechecking like yeah. crazy and it just worked. I mean, it, yeah, it would have been, if Quick got it away, it's fucking awful because it's five on three for, you know, whatever that is, eight seconds. But, yeah, you all seen it. You all love it. He goes nuts. Patrick Bergen goes nuts. Darren Pang goes nuts. Everybody goes nuts. It was amazing. It's a there's a picture of it in the Dobbs near us because <laughs> every time I look at it, I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's nice. I wonder. I hope they replaced it, but I also kind of hope they didn't. That's I hope nice. that's still just there. Don't go to Dobbs. Yeah, Dobbs, not a not a sponsor. They're like an anti sponsor. Yeah. I can tell you anything. Unless they want to give us money, yeah, then we'll say. What I'll happened. say whatever you want for money. Baby. Dobbs, if you want to give us blood money to erase this portion of this podcast, you let us know. It's done. What's done is done. <laughs> We talked about uh, goal number five on this list, Brower's game-winning goal in game seven against the Chicago Blackhawks in 2016. Just number five. Mm. Damn, the lots has changed. I know, right? That could have been number one. In terms of skill, it shouldn't even be on the list. But in terms of He misses the puck twice. (laughs) I had like three heart attacks. Holy shit. That could have been the bluesiest moment ever. That could have just been it. I was like, remember when Troy Brower almost scored and then he didn't, and then we lost, lost Game 7? Wow, what a fun a time. Duncan Keith goal. Mm. <laughs> God, no. Okay. God, so. do you remember how they just pushed the rest of the game? Oh, yeah. There was like, yo, who was it? Was it Duncan Keith or was it Brent Seabrook? Rang it off uh-huh. behind Elliott. And uh-huh. I was like, oh, that could have been the game. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That was the highest of highs until this year. Speaking of which, this year that's the top four goals here. I oh wanted to, I wanted to keep it to three. I wanted to include other ones, but you just can't because some of them are just so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, I think one that might get overlooked in the the general uh, when you look back at like the Stanley Cup victories and the Stanley Cup games. But it's uh, Jaden Schwartz's late third period game winning goal against oh, the Jets yeah. in Game Five. Yeah, unbelievable. Who is, who is that? Braden Shen breaks a stick. They put Tyler Bozak on the ice then as mm-hmm. Shen goes to get a new stick or jump off the ice. And Bozak's able to get the puck on his forehand and mm-hmm. pass to Schwartz, which a left-handed guy might not have been able to do. And Schwartz just taps it in behind Hellebuck. That was like 15 seconds left. And that was after we and, had gone uh, up. Darren has a minute. Oh, yeah. Uh, Orgasm, oh, on most of the on most of these, Darren Pang <laughs> just, <laughs> just came in his pants. Um, but yeah, this is like 15 seconds left. We had just won the first two games in Winnipeg. 
We lost the two games in St. Louis. They had all the momentum. They scored the first two goals of this game. And we, I mean, we didn't necessarily look defeated as a team, but mm-hmm. like just in terms of how all the games have played, I was like, well, they're going to do it again. They're going to reverse sweep us just like the Kings and the uh, Blackhawks before them. But no, we came back, scored two goals, scored the slate period goal. And then you remember game six it was all blues until like the very end. Jaden Schwartz hat trick. Jaden Schwartz just needed this goal to set him off for the rest of the playoffs. Yeah. He would have two hat tricks. Mm-hmm. Okay, nuts. now I've got a I know two of your remaining goals, yeah. but I don't know what order they're in, and I'm curious which the third goal to mm. is. So please go ahead. So the third goal is Gunnarsson's yeah, game two OT guess. goal that's against the Boston Bruins to secure the Blues' first Stanley Cup finals victory in franchise he, history. He just needs one more chance. And oh. what I would it would be a great goal just the way it is, but mm-hmm. it's even better. With that story. With the pissing next to each yeah. other story. Oh yeah. oh, yeah, for sure. Carl Gunnarsson was as close to Craig Berube talking to him at the pisser That's as true. he was to us when he took a picture with That's us. That's true. That's true. We've taken a picture with I could have whispered Stanley one more Cup goal, champion. one more chance. And he would have he would have chuckled. He would have chuckled and said, Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Please you, leave me you alone. You scamp. You rang him up and get out of here. You know how sweet stuff. <laughs> you, you scamp. <laughs> Number two, Maroons game seven. Oh baby. Double overtime goal against the Dallas Stars. You've seen it, you love it. It's Robert Thomas's goal. But it's it's Pat Maroon's goal. Why not though? The hometown hero mm-hmm. skates in like an ass to like. The, I've, I've always liked his celebration. He doesn't really like skate to the bench or to anyone. He just does this weird like ass, like he's going towards people, and he's like, no, 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 don't touch me yet, and goes the other way. I was like, okay, yeah, that's, I'm down for that. Him and uh, Bruby hug on the bench. It's fantastic. Oh yeah. What's oh, number one? One of the scariest ones. So this is a finals goal, Stephen. This isn't a this isn't a finals in the finals game in game seven. Mm-hmm. Boston Bruins in Boston. Who do you think it would be? What goal? What of the four goals? Really, five goals. So I mean, don't you know? <laughs> could the, be the Boston goal. Yeah. You're saying? <laughs> was I it Matt Grizzly? It, it could be Matt Grizzly. Um, well, Petrangelo when Marchand just bounced out of there mm-hmm. makes sense, but I feel like it's gonna be you're gonna say Sanford. When Perron went nuts, and we just like knew, like legit knew that it was over. I think you're on the you're on the path. But it's the third one. It's the Petrangelo. No. <laughs> no. no, it's the Petrangelo's late first period goal in Game Seven against the Boston Bruins. Okay. is my number one goal of the decade because for me personally, if you go, if I can paint a picture, there's Ryan O'Reilly's goal is like okay, we are not getting shut out. <laughs> We're in the game. We're good here to play hockey, and we're not. We won't be hopefully one zero embarrassed. So mm-hmm. here we go. We got a goal, and it was after the after the shelling that Bennington took and kept us in. So it was like this is a victory. This is one of those dagger goals where it's like, hey, you did nothing to us, and we've scored on one <laughs> shot. All right. Uh, the brain shingle is like a million cracks in the armor. It's like, oh my god, I th- I, th- I think we've won. The hockey game in the Stanley Cup. <laughs> and then the prongle is like the armor shattering. Mm-hmm. It's like, holy fuck, that's like just undeniable and you're already celebrating. The Petrangelo goal is the first crack in like the armor that is my brain. <laughs> that that is like, heart. that's like, yeah, this is going, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. They're not going to win the cup. I was so prepared for them to lose. I'm going to end make it 2 0 with like whatever it is, 10 seconds left in the first period. I'm like, they could win this game. We set it all up to that point. Like, they could just win. Just win the game. You've won so many games. You've won fucking, what is that? 
You've won 15 games up to this point. You could just win the 16th mm-hmm. game. Someone has to. Might as well be you. And I was still in my head like, yeah, but it won't because that'd be fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and because Bertrangelo scored it, I was like, oh, this could be real. This could be the thing. And just because it felt so felt so dejecting for Boston. Mm. Like, I actually felt their sorrow for a moment of like, oh, no. Well, the way Marchand just pieced yeah. it, like, it's all their fault. I don't think I paid one iota of Which attention to that. Oh, at I that don't think I knew until all. after, Mm-mm. until like days later. Mm-hmm. But yeah, <sighs> that goal to me still is like because then it ends. It's what we talk about on this podcast all the time. When you get a goal scored on you or for you or whatever in the late in a period, it's like air sucked out of your lungs if it's against you, mm-hmm. and like newfound confidence if it's for you because you knew you knew how the intermission was going to go. Except all of a sudden, now you don't. Intermission mm-hmm. has changed. The mm-hmm. story has changed in an instant, and you have to adapt to it. And the fact that all of a sudden it was 1-0, and Boston goes, okay, I know it's 1-0, we got two periods for this, no problem. And it goes, boom, 2-0, you're about to go in your locker room. They go, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> and like especially with the Blues, like how they played all series, or all, maybe not that series, but like all playoffs long, mm-hmm. they just lock it down, they can just go, nope. Like, 2-0 is all we need. And they did, basically. <gasps> That goal's so sweet. That was it. That was. But yeah, I think you can pick any one of those goals from that final as like your number one, or you can pick the maroon goal, or any you know anything yeah. like that. But there's so many in that run; they're insane. I try to figure it out if you include like playoff goals too. I think the Blues have scored, and I mean lots of teams have too, like over two thousand four hundred goals, you know, in a decade. Uh-huh. So it's like I don't know how the. I was like, maybe I'll go try and find random goals that were fun. I'm like, it'd be impossible. Yeah. It'd be fucking impossible. Because there's some fun ones. I'm trying to think mm. of some of the good, like, silly ones. The Vince Dunn overtime winner in Toronto, that was mm. a big one. But yeah, you can't, like, include that on mm. this list. Get out of here, Vince Dunn. <laughs> That's the best of the year, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, uh, should we go to the timeline? Yeah. This is going to be a, just a fun retrospective of some of the big moments, the big trades. Uh, we're just going to go through it, and, and you can comment as uh, you feel led, as you feel, as the spirit moves. Tweet us your qualms. Uh, that's right. <laughs> Hashtag qualms. Uh, January 2nd, 2010, the new decade has just started. The new decade was younger than, than our decade is now. And Andy Murray gets fired. <laughs> He is fired at a 17-17-6 record with a 6-13-3 home record. Davis Payne is named as his interim replacement and is ultimately given full-time duties in April after we miss the playoffs, which is a a choice to make for (laughs) sure, but they made it. Doug Armstrong was young. Uh, On March 2nd of that year, the Blues trade Aaron Pulisaj to Montreal for Matt D'Agostini, Blues legend Matt D'Agostini. I even recognize Uh, your first name. There's a name I didn't even consider for Team of the Decade because he doesn't belong. <laughs> he had a 120 goal season. But God, did I Good love for him, him that year? That for that period, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, April 10th, Blues officially failed to qualify for the playoffs. The season ends June 17th. 
The Blues trade Lars Eller and Ian Schultz to Montreal for Yaroslav Halak in a move that is widely considered to be Doug Armstrong's kind of unofficial official taking over of the team. This is my favorite trade. Like as a young as oh, a young yeah. Blues fan, this is my first trade. And Yaroslav Halak just yeah. come off an incredible playoff oh, run. I was ready. And it was like Halak or Price, Halak or Price, Halak or Price. Who's who's getting moved? They can't keep both Halak or Price, and we got Halak. Uh, a couple a week, nine days later, Blues select Jaden Schwartz, trade David Rumblad, select. Vladimir Tarasenko on June fifteenth. You don't or June twenty fifth. You don't know what that's going to be at the time. You've got some idea, but then it becomes this whole thing. Then they're the face of your franchise a decade later. Uh, June twenty sixth, the Blues trade David Warsawski to Boston for Vladimir Sabotka. Uh, two trades, that and the D'Agostini, that seemed like nothing trades at the time and then kind of become sort mm-hmm. of big things. Uh, July through August, the Blues extended Steen, Koliakova, Jansen, Halak, Reeves, extend Perron, and uh, Eric Johnson. And then on November 4th of the start of the following season was the Joe Thornton hit on David Perron. Just extended, just got a nice new contract, and now he ain't got a brain. How old was Joe Thornton at this point? Probably 32 I was like already. 32, 33. Probably. I mean, how old is he now? 40-something, right? Oh, so boy. legitimately. Yeah, that's so weird. Oh, my God. He was like, i got to end this kid's career. Yeah. I'm going to retire soon. <laughs> I don't know why that makes any I sense, but it Joe. does. I hate him. Uh... In 2011, February 18th to the 28th, the Blues were rebuilding at the deadline. They traded Eric Brewer to Tampa for a third-round pick that became somebody named Jordan Bennington. Uh, Hot. Probably doesn't stay relevant. Eric Brewer, man. And the rights to Brad Boykaboom. Boykaboom. Oh, I remember that. Thinking That's a, that's a fun name. name. Yep. Uh, they traded Eric Johnson, Jay McClement, in a first-round pick to Colorado for Chris Stewart, Kevin Shattenkirk in a second. They traded Brad Boys to Buffalo for a second that became Joel Edmondson, and they traded Brad Winchester to Anaheim for a third. Uh, on March 17th, the Blues are announced as for sale, and on April 9th, they fail to qualify for the playoffs. Yeah, for the second, well, more than the second year in a row, I think, but for the second year this decade. And then uh, the offseason starts. They sign Brian Elliott July 2nd. They sign Jamie Langenbrunner and Jason Arnott, mm. which I still remember being like, huh, that's a thing, you know? I remember them being on the open market and thinking that they were good signings at the time because mm-hmm. I knew their names uh-huh. and then not realizing they were very old. But they turned out to be uh, good one-year guys totally for, us. for yeah. us. I think. Uh, they... Um, Named David Back as captain on September 9th. Who were the alternates? Take a stab at that. Take a stab at the alternates named alongside David Backus. Did we have four? We had four. Jackman. Uh-huh. Steen. Uh-huh. Oshi. No. Oh, not Oshi yet? <laughs> oh, a boy. a child at this point. A child. What, what year is this? 2012? 2012. Backus? Dean. And we have other alternates. Mm-hmm. I've just spoken about one of them. You have not. <laughs> Jamie Langenbrunner was one of the alternates. Oh, what the fuck? Right off the free agents. On a one-year contract, they're like, Captain America, doesn't matter. Andy McDonald? You're correct. Okay. That's number four. Thank you. Uh, November 6th, 
of that following season. The Blues fired Davis Payne and named Ken Hitchcock their head coach. They then very quickly thereafter trade Nikita Nikitin to Columbus for Chris Russell, which is just getting a guy that Hitchcock liked from his last job. <laughs> um, the Blues traded, which doesn't, it never occurred to me that then uh, Hitchcock went and coached Russell again in uh, Edmonton for mm-hmm. a year, so many years later, and he was a healthy friggin' scratch. On uh, late on summertime early in 2012, I forgot to write down the date. They traded Ben Bishop to Ottawa for a second round pick. Uh, on March 17th, they become the first team to reach 100 points, qualify for the playoffs, and on April 21st, they win their first playoff series since 2002, defeating the San Jose Sharks in five games. So we had a whole decade without a playoff win uh, or playoff round victory. And then they were eliminated on April 21st, or sorry, May 6th by the Kings in four games. And on May 9th, three days later, the NHL approved Tom Stillman's bid to buy the Blues local ownership group. A-OK, they say. Yeah. Uh, and then October, October to December of that year was the lockout. I can't, rem- I can't so imagine. What was I doing? I don't know. I what? guess I was in college, so that helped. We're pissed about it. Yeah. I remember being pissed about it. But think we about were like, it. we were about to start a fucking podcast. Yeah, then we, right. Then we that's didn't. right. And then we held on to it for six years. We tabled that. And then Steve Dangle took our spot. That's right. But did you, like, think about you just come off that season where you finally had fun and won in the playoffs, and then they're like, yeah, no hockey for you guys. Dicks. I hate this league. Uh, on January 19th, the season finally began, and that's when Vladimir Tarasenko debuted with two goals against the Red Wings. On March 30th, we traded a 2012 second and a 2013 fifth to Buffalo for Jordan Leopold. Are you reading this along with me? No. Okay. I was going to say, do you know who we traded it for? You probably would have gotten it from Buffalo. But I remember that because it was like, what? Because we were talking about Jay Bowmeister yeah. for this like was months. It. And we got, it was like the news. And then it was like, what? That's that? And that's your Jay Bowmeister? And then on April 1st, I was like, yeah. the very next day, Doug Armstrong pimp walks his way into the press box during the game to announce that the Blues had traded Mark Kundari, Brett O'Bara, 2013 first, and a two. 2013 fourth to Calgary for Jay Bowmeister in uh, a trade that doesn't get talked about in the same breath as like uh, uh, Ryan O'Reilly and um, uh, the other one, <laughs> the other one, Steen, mm-hmm. uh, the Alex Steen trade, but basically it's just as bad. I mean, it's just an older veteran guy that we got, but like we didn't give up literally any NHL talent. Yeah. Um, that was equivalent to me as when we signed Perron and Bozak, and then, then we'd signed O'Reilly, because yeah. it was like, is this it? It was like, your answer is Jordan Leopold, and they're like... No, that's not my answer. Yeah, that may like, be your no. answer. And then it slotted so much better. I'm like, oh yeah, you can play third pairing easy. Yeah, love that's great. it. Love it. And it's the same thing. Yeah, because yeah. it's like, oh, Jordan Leopold third pairing, terrific. Hot. Tyler Bozak third line center, awesome. <laughs> uh, May tenth of that following of that same year, the Blues are eliminated by the Los Angeles Kings in the first round, but in six games. So Doug Armstrong calls it an improvement. Oh God, uh, did he? <laughs> Yeah, you remember that? Yeah, I do remember being like... They talked about that like, hey, we we won two games this time, so we're getting better. And it's like, yeah, but in the first round. (laughs) Uh, That was 
was the first time I think I really remember being like frustrated. Mm-hmm. I was like, but you can't. That's not a. But that's not a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, July third, the Blues extend Jordan Leopold for two years. Two years at four point five million, and three days later on July sixth, they signed Derek Roy for one year at four million dollars. What? <laughs> Four million dollars in 2013 money we gave to Derek Roy. That's like a that's like a what a six million dollar yeah. player today. About I think I only wrote this down because it was such a crystallizing moment for me where I was like, oh, I used to not think about the salary cap at all, <laughs> and now every move we make, I'm like, but what's this gonna look like in 2023? You know, <laughs> and it's like. I'm not with really with that whole crowd. The dangle crowd does this occasionally. Like, remember when hockey was fun and every trade didn't have to be a salary cap thing? Yeah. I don't. I'm not really in that group because I love the salary cap and talking about the implications. But wow, we signed Derek Roy to four million dollars, and I just didn't care at all. <laughs> uh, but one year deal. Neither, neither did he. He was gone, and he didn't either. Yeah. Uh, four days later, they traded David Perron to Edmonton for Magnus. Pay RV Swinson and a second round pick. Wraparounds abounded thereafter. For four or five years, he was on this team for so long, he should have gotten consideration for what, the team of the day. What year was the second sure round pick we got? Uh, I will guess that it would have just been 2014, the following year. Okay. Because I didn't check, but I forgot to look up who that was. And then on September. It might have been Ivan Barbashev. It might have been. I think it was. I, I think, think you're right. Yeah. And then in September. 14th of that year, Alex Petrangelo signed a seven-year, $45.5 million contract that's about to expire, Doug. Come on. You gotta do it again. Go get him. You gotta do it. You do it the one time, and then you do it again, and this is the again time. You gotta go <laughs> do and it. And you don't have to do it anymore. And don't text us your qualms on that, because we will not hear them. We will not hear any qualms. Oh. Ah, February 28th, 2014, the Blues trade, Yaroslav Halak, Chris Stewart, William Carrier, a 2015 first-round pick, and a 2016 third-round pick to Buffalo for Ryan Miller and Ryan Miller alone, and also Steve Ott, which we don't talk about as much. Uh, Steve Ott has been with the franchise ever since. Uh, Ryan Miller, not so much. Steve Ott uh, went to Detroit, though, did he not, in the middle there? Oh, you're yeah. right, you're right. Was that where he, because that's where he split his, split his, uh... Oh, no, no, he split his calves here. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He literally ripped the muscles in both of his calves <laughs> as he did the splits against the boards. Oh, no. I hadn't thought about that in so long. Honestly, I thought about it when I read this down. <laughs> oh, no. The pain. How does he walk? How does he do anything? Okay, April 3rd, the Blues reach a franchise record 52 wins. April 5th to April 13th, the Blues collapse to end the season, losing their final six games, and and honest to God, shot at the President's Trophy. They just let walk. Oh, we lost the Western Conference by yeah. like a point. Yeah. We just had to win one game. And then uh, we oh. collapsed even further by the collapse, culminating in a six-game loss to the Blackhawks in the first round, which did feature that Barrett-Jackman goal you talked about, mm-hmm. I believe, and the, uh, the Alex Steen goal, but mm-hmm. not much else. 28th of June... The Blues trade Roman Polak to Toronto for Carl Gunnarsson in a 2018, 2018, 2014 fourth. Remember when they were like, yeah, we need uh, Roman Polak and we'll give you Carl Gunnarsson and more than that. I know, I was like, you want <laughs> Man, why? Thanks. Um, July 1st, Paul Stastny signs a four-year, $28 million contract with the Blues. What a day that was. 
I remember that day mm-hmm. and just being like so very excited. I was at Deerberg, still working at the time, and I was just like, hey, we got Stasny. And uh, my friend David at the time was also doing that, and it was just great. And then it was fine. <laughs> and it was, and he was <laughs> fine. He was adequate. Uh, and then uh, on December 2nd of 2014, the Blues signed franchise legend Martin Brodeur for the very first time. Uh, his storied career here and nowhere else began on that date, and uh, it's incredible that he's racked up 750 wins or whatever since then uh, in such a short amount of time. But he, his boy is—he sure is good. So <laughs> <It's been> great. <laughs> um, uh, also weird that they have a statue of him outside of the Prudential Center, isn't it? That's never I think understood. That's where he that. was born and raised. <laughs> oh, okay, in the Prudential Center. Yeah, that makes Prudential sense. Center. Uh, 2015 trades galore. Uh, this was the weirdest deadline day we ever had, but even before that, we traded Max Lapierre to the Pittsburgh Penguins for Marcel Gotch. We acquired Adam Cracknell from Columbus for cash, and then we had a very weird deadline day on March 2nd where we acquired Ole Jokinen from Toronto for Joachim Lindstrom and a 2016 sixth-round pick. We traded Ian Cole to Pittsburgh for Robert Bortuzzo and a seventh-round pick. Uh, Doug Armstrong said, this guy's named Ian. we got to get him the fuck out of here. <laughs> and Jim Rutherford said, we'll give you Robert Fortuzo and Doug Armstrong said, but yeah, but that's not enough. Give me a seventh round pick too. And Jim Rutherford said sold. And that's how it goes. Uh, <laughs> that and- was a very Mark Bergevin uh, deadline for Doug Armstrong to have. A very current Mark Bergevin oh, yeah. deadline. Let's just load up on the low, on, on the, the bottom year. six. Yep. That was like, because the year before he'd done the 5% thing with Ryan Miller, mm-hmm. and this was the other thing. This was the, maybe if we just added to the 99%, we'd be fine. <laughs> How much the influence uh, your team? <laughs> well, about only 5%, but it's a lot of them, though. I figured I'd flip-flop my formula. <laughs> and then uh, to cap that all off, the Blues traded for an injured, concussed Zabinic McCulloch and oh, yes. a conditional 2015 third-round pick from Arizona for Maxime Letinoff. So this was the weir- one of the weirdest trades I've ever seen, where instead of giving them a conditional something in case... Uh, McCulloch just never got healthy and didn't play. We gave them a prospect sight unseen mm-hmm. and then uh, said, okay, we'll take McCulloch back, but if he doesn't play, then you have to give us a third round pick. <laughs> they paid us to take it. <laughs> uh, but he did ultimately play not well. No, and the no. Blues got eliminated in uh, six games in the first round uh, by the Minnesota Wild. Ugh. But in between that, they won the Central Division for the first time, second time in four years. I think that might have been, if we're going to say the Kings loss in the third round, or third round, in the first round in six games was a low point, and I, could, and I personally recovered for a couple of years, the loss to Minnesota was another low point where I was like, why can't we do this? <laughs> Yeah. Why can't this team do this? <laughs> Why can't they just? They're not a, they're, you didn't lose to a good team. That's a bad team mm-hmm. that's in the playoffs. Why can't you win? That's <laughs> a bad team. They're in the playoffs, but they're a bad team. Yeah, Minnesota. Remember being a low point. Minnesota is such a, like, mediocre team. Just a nothing bird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we lost to them repeatedly. Uh, not, not to whatever, but I was in Europe, and I remember being like, oh... No, it wasn't for that. No, 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 no. I was there for the finals because I saw a guy oh, in a lightning hat, and I said, I'm rooting for the lightning in the finals. And he looked at me and spoke through a very thick Russian accent. I do not know. <laughs> and walked away from me. And I was like, why the fuck you wearing a lightning hat then, bro? 
Kucherov, baby. Kucherov, right? And he'd be like, I do not know. <laughs> I do not know. I do not know. On July 2nd, 2015, the Blues trade TJ Oshie to Washington for Troy Brower and Phoenix Copway. Phoenix Copway. Phoenix Copway. Troy Brower. Third round pick, a 2016 third round pick. Troy Brower's like generally okay contribution and game winning goal aside. Like, meh. Mm-hmm. Very mad. And I was even on the trade TJ Oshie train because I remember in the playoffs against the Wild, he was very, like, handshaking guys and just looked really chill about the whole thing. And I get you're not going to spit in the other guy's face in the handshake line, but he looked the opposite of dejected. Mm-hmm. And I was like, get this dude the fuck out of here. Yep. Yep. And I was, and you know what? Well, I felt a little, I still feel a little right. I definitely feel more wrong. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Was that, a, was that a Ken Hitchcock move? Oh, yeah. Was that a, like, I'm tired of this showboat and son of a bitch? I hated TJ Oshie, I bet. Yeah. I bet anything. Uh, on that same day, the Blues made much more important moves, signing Kyle Brodziak and extending Robert Bortuzzo. Uh, the next day, they extended Jake Allen for four years at $17.4 million. And the four days after that, they extended Vladimir Tarasenko for eight years at $60 million. And then on October 5th, they signed Scotty Upshaw. What a weird off season! There were some off seasons where we did nothing. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that's the TJ Oshie off season. But we unloaded a guy and we did nothing to <laughs> add. I guess Troy Brower was our big ad. Woo! Well, wait till next off season. <sighs> April twenty fifth, two thousand sixteen. The Blues defeat the Chicago Blackhawks three to two in Game Seven, thanks to the Troy Brower goal. Nothing happened in between. <laughs> May 11th, Blues defeat the Dallas Stars in Game 7 of the second round in a 6-1 to one drubbing that we still both remember as being like, oh, so this is how this is happening, okay. A weird, like, precursor to the Bruins Game 7 where I was like, this, this is a Game 7 you're just going to fucking roll over? Mm-hmm. What the fuck? That's yeah. so weird. Yeah, we're the ones that are supposed yeah, to roll I was like, over. huh. Um, then, uh, May 25th, they fall in the Western Conference Final, 5-2 to two to the San Jose Sharks. Uh-huh. June 13th, Mike Yo is announced as the head coach in waiting of the St. Louis Blues to replace Ken Hitchcock when he either retired or was ultimately fired. Uh, I don't think it was phrased like that, but it was true. <laughs> On June... <laughs> On June 24th, we trade up to draft Tage Thompson. We trade Brian Elliott for a second-round pick that became Jordan Cairo. And then David Backus leaves, Troy Brower leaves, and the Blues signed Carter Hutton and David Perron on July 1st. That was our big move. I was so sad. What a day. I feel like most most summers, feels like most summers I've been sad about the Blues. Uh-huh. I'm like, wow, Really? And, uh... This, we, was, this wasn't David Prawn of new. This is David Prawn of old. Where oh, I was yeah. like, okay. But I thought we were <laughs> over like this. It's like a two-year deal, right? Yeah, I'm like, I thought we, we were over this. Then it was, in hindsight, probably just like, we're going to sign a body to let him walk to Vegas <laughs> next year. See ya, David. Um, and Blues signed extended Jaden Schwartz after that. And then on August 25th, they named Alex Petrangelo captain. And then on October 7th, they uh, shaked shook the foundations of their very team by trading Zach Pochiro in a 2017th conditional third-round pick for Niall Yakupov, <laughs> which I still remember being very excited about mm-hmm. in a weird way, and it was a mistake to be. What offseason was this? That was right 
at the start of the 2016 season, mm. on October 7th. So it was like during training camp, okay. right at the end of it. Uh, January 1st, the following year, the Blues defeated the Chicago Blackhawks at Bush Stadium in the Winter Classic 4-1. to February 1st, one month later to the day, Ken Hitchcock was fired and Mike Yo was named head coach. Three days after that, on February 4th, Robbie Fabry tra- tears his ACL. And uh, three, four weeks after that, Blues trade Kevin Shattenkirk and Phoenix Copley to the Washington Capitals in exchange for Zach Sanford, Brad Malone, and a 2017 first and 2019 conditional second round pick, which we did not get, uh, I don't think. I don't know what that would have been if Shattenkirk extended, maybe. That was probably what that was. Mm. Um, what a what a two-month period that was. Imagine having a podcast then. Imagine Steve Dangle hadn't crowded us out of the space <laughs> by then. That was, uh, that was a time. Uh, April 12th to April 22nd of that year, Jake Allen became a god against the Nashville, or against the uh, Minnesota Wild. Mm -hmm. And then on May 7th, they fell in six games to the Nashville Predators. June 21st, expansion draft, Blues surrender, David Perron, we just talked about him. Already <laughs> forgot his name, I'm sorry. Vote him, vote him in. Let's yeah, play, I forgot all, him. All-star game. Vote that one guy. Very forgettable, but uh, do it anyway. The Blues put out a little David, what is it, like a video where people, lots of different people in prominent movies and TV shows are saying the name David. Oh, nice. Together, it's uh-huh. hilarious. That's it's awesome. Great. Go watch it. I will. Uh, I will. <laughs> I know you were the, the podcast. People, but uh, I'll do it too. Uh, on June 23, just two days later, the Blues trade... Uh, Yori Laterra, 2017 first-round pick and a 2018 first-round pick to Philadelphia for Braden Shin. And then just a few moments later, they traded Brian Reeves and a 2017 second-round pick to Pittsburgh for Oscar Sundquist and a 2017 first-round pick. Wow. What an hour. Doug Armstrong does his shit in hours, man, not days. He's just like boom, boom, mm. done. Oh, I love. I I'm love gonna all do this. Moves. I'm gonna do this, and then I don't have to work for three years. I love moves. They're like, they're to me. I'm very clean, Stephen. The clean living man. There, that's got to be what a, like a little drug high is. Oh, a yeah. moment wherever I see my phone go up, and it's like, you Bruce know, trade for Justin Falk. You're like, Ooh, what's <laughs> happening? Oh, Every, oh, like I feel like the world's moving a lot it faster. It must be a little like an acid trip. Because yeah. you're like, oh, I'm experiencing so many things and I don't know what any of them yeah. are. And like no one else around me in general gives a shit. That's <laughs> and right. I'm like, something's happening. That's right. Because um, <laughs> that, the we were watched that Braden Shen trade together. We uh-huh. literally, our first episode of the podcast is about it. I was going to say, because on June 29th, the world officially met the then Two Guys One Cup, Two Guys No Cup podcast mm-hmm. uh, after just days of recording issues. <laughs> it's stuck in this room together. We were yeah. like Tom uh, Hanks at the end of, uh, you know, the volleyball <laughs> castaway. You know, castaway. Stepford Wives. Um, but I just remember watching that trade live and didn't they start off with Laterra? Like the Blues trade Yuri Laterra yeah. and like a whatever and pick and I was like, like it's already, we won. I'm like who's it going to be for? And like Braden Shaw was like that's a real player. Like, Holy <laughs> shit balls man. That really was what, what it was. What a deal. We were so desperate to get rid of Laterra that after he said it we were like okay what crap are we going to get could back? Could be anything. <laughs> could be anybody. Could be uh, Claude Giroux. <laughs> <laughs> Any old person. <laughs> 
But yeah, uh, we came into the world on June 29th, just in time for the Blues to sign Chris Thorburn on July 1st, our only uh, <laughs> our only move at that time. July 20th, the Blues extended Colton Pareko, and then on uh, late September, early October, Robbie Favre tore his knee again. Oh, I do remember talking about that. On February 26th, the Blues traded Paul Stastny to the Winnipeg Jets for Eric Foley, 2018 first, and a 2020 conditional fourth round pick. On April 7th, the Blues failed to qualify for the playoffs by not gaining at least a point against the Colorado Avalanche, losing 5-2. And then on July 1st, 2018, our fateful day, the Blues signed Tyler Bozak to a three-year, $15 million contract. The Blues signed David Perron to a four-year, $16 million contract. The Blues signed Chad Johnson, which a lot of people forget about for very obvious and understandable <laughs> reasons. And then the Blues trade, Patrick Bergwin, Myers, <laughs> Mocha, Hidge Thompson, a 2019 first and a 2021 second to Buffalo in exchange for Ryan O'Reilly. I don't want You have a qualm? I don't want to run over the Ryan O'Reilly trade because it's the biggest, the uh-huh. biggest part. But do you remember going yes, to the I jersey was, reveal, yeah. <laughs> which was just the Winter Classic jerseys, now uh-huh. our third jersey. Which we all knew at the time. With these players, and Chad Johnson was one of the uh-huh. four people, five people there, and was like, even then it was like, what are you doing here? It was... Why are you out here with everyone else? And his face looked like it too, like, why am I here? It was, uh, it was a moment in time for the Blues, and a year later... This was the same they were year. Champions. <laughs> One year later, they were Stanley Cup champions. Chad Johnson feels like five years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was like a year and a half ago. I remember that, too, because it was like that was also awkwardly timed where it was like not training camp. Mm-hmm. But it also wasn't like July 3rd. You know, so it was like sometime in like August. Yeah, they're like, oh, like, they're they're here, but they're not really like yeah. ready for you to sit down and watch them practice. Yeah, and it's like, okay, but then why are we doing this now? Because mm. like, it just felt awkward. It's like, hey, Ryan, we know you live in wherever in Ontario he lives, but come on out here. You know, come on, come on, do here, do this. Come please. on down to Ballpark Village. You know like, how you love fuck? the Blues. You know how you have your love of hockey. Well, come on down here. <laughs> Bring your stick. You can do your little weird ball tricks. Uh, and then on July 10th, <laughs> the Blues signed Patrick Maroon to a one-year contract, which was such a weird seven days of thinking, he's still out there. I don't understand why we're not going to sign him. Oh, we are going to sign him. Oh, we're not going to sign him. Oh, we are going to sign him. Oh, we're not going to sign him. Oh, we are going to sign him. Oh, Phil Maroon says, we're not going to sign him, but he's lying because that's what he does, and then we sign him, and that's how it works. That was also the weird thing, too, where Tyler, we signed Tyler Bozak Perron, that looks dumb, we get O'Reilly, that immediately makes everything look better, uh-huh. and also retrospectively, retroactively made me want Pat Maroon all of a sudden, because uh-huh. before that, they were talking about it, when we had signed nobody, I was like, I don't need Pat Maroon yeah. fucking here, and then we signed those three, I was like, yeah, fucking bring <laughs> Pat Maroon in! Bring them all! Uh, yeah. Um, that was our off season, and then we kicked off the regular season uh, with Jay Bomeister still on injured reserve. We kicked off the regular season on October first by trading a 2019 sixth round pick to Edmonton for Jacob Jarabek. Never forget. I would assume that there has never been a blue whose career plus minus per sixty is worse than Jacob Jarabek's. Because I think 
his plus minus per 60 is minus 30. <laughs> because his I think he had minus 3 in like 6 minutes. So, oh, God. Uh, and that's all he played. He was right out of town. On October 26th, Mike Yo famously said, My job should be in question. On November 19th, a Los Angeles Kings player who shall remain nameless streaked down the ice and scored a 2 nothing goal. And Ian, 100 feet away in the top of the stands, slapped his knee and said, Hot dog! And then the following, uh, following that game and into the next day, the Blues fired Mike Yo and hired Craig Verby. Uh, on December 10th, Robert Bortuzzo and Zach Sanford fought each other in practice. On January 6th, the Blues discovered Gloria at a Philly bar that I can't remember the name of, for which they'll probably sue us. On January 7th, Jordan Bennington debuted with a shutout against the Philadelphia Flyers, and then the rest was history. The 11-game win streak was from 23rd of January to February 19th. On February 25th, the Blues traded a 2016 sixth-round pick, 2019 sixth-round pick, to Anaheim for Michael Delzato, hashtag never forget. Um... (laughs) And uh, I'm trying to see what was the Jarabek pick. That was also a, a six. So we must have had two six, and then we had no. That's six. why you load up on That's six, why you baby. Load up on six, Jacob Jarabek and Michael Delzada. That could have been a whole defensive pairing, a bad one, Oof. but a goal one. April twentieth, the Blues blaze past the uh, Jets three to two in a game six. I remember why I wrote Blaze now because it was four twenty, and I thought that was very funny when I wrote this. <laughs> On May seventh, the Blues eliminate the Stars in double overtime with Patrick Maroon's game winner. And by the way, the most epic photo of all time with him hugging Bishop at center ice and the and the flag girl skating behind with uh, the the St. Louis flag like mm-hmm. fluttering behind her. It was so good. Uh, just. You know, if the photographer who took that photo listens to us, bravo. Yeah. Please sign it and send me a copy. Uh, I want it everywhere in my house. On May 15th, the Blues lose 5-4 to to the Sharks in overtime of Game 3 thanks to the hand pass. And just six days later, on May 21st, they destroy the Sharks in Game 6, 5-1. to On May 29th, the Blues win their first Stanley Cup game in franchise history. Boom, boom. On June 3rd, the Blues win their first and to date only Stanley Cup home game in franchise (laughs) history. And on June 12th, the Blues win their first franchise Stanley Cup in Game 7 in Boston. The victory parade was June 15th. We went Blues was born. And uh, that was pretty much it. They signed a bunch of AHL randos on July 1st. They traded Jordan Schmaltz to... Toronto for Andreas Borgman, which I was unreasonably excited about at the time. <laughs> uh, then they became the official hockey team of the state of Missouri, which we may have overlooked <laughs> on August 29th. Uh, screw you, Kansas City's USHL team. September 24th, they traded Dominic Bach, Joel Evanson, and a seventh round pick to the Carolina Hurricanes for Justin Falk in a fifth-round pick. They raised the Stanley Cup banner at Enterprise Center on October 2nd, and then to round out the decade, they, in an ironic move of comedic intent, signed someone named Troy Brower, who I presume is a college-free agent. And uh, that was our that was our decade. Ian, how'd that feel to experience? That felt very good. That felt, very, that felt too perfect. Yeah. 
It really was. It was a it was a journey. It was a journey for us, and it was a journey for a lot of you too. A lot of you fine folks at home. Mm-hmm. I tweeted out earlier this week uh, asking for your uh, what did I say? Give us your favorite hockey memories, twenty ten to twenty nineteen. Not just when we won the cup, but something unique to you or how you experienced the cup when the Winter Classic or anything else. And we got a fair amount of responses, and I want to give them their fair amount of time, and then we can do our team of the decade and get out of here, unless you have anything else to cover. I've got a qualm. No, I don't. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. No qualms. You hold your qualms. Uh, Michael Peltz tweets, uh, I spent an absurd amount on Game 6 tickets and a one-way flight from New York City. After the loss, I was so upset I almost flew back the next morning. Sanity prevailed, and I stayed in St. Louis for Game 7. Fittingly, I watched them win from my parents' living room like so many games before it. Well said, Michael. And awesome. And congratulations. Uh, Garrett Kochner says, My three of hopefully many more trips to Traverse City to watch the prospects play. Loved meeting the players and some alumni and staff there. Such an awesome experience. As I've taken two of those trips with Garrett, I can wholeheartedly agree. And I once saw Bruce Boudreau eat a hot dog, and that was hilarious. Did he choke uh, on it? No, but it's surprising <laughs> that he did. <laughs> that is his best skill. Uh, Schwizzle Schwartz, at Schwizzle Schwartz, says, other than the cup, the Winter Classic, the day, the alumni game, the hype around it, and the overall experience was incredible, and Game 7 in 2016 versus the Hawks. One of the best games I've ever seen. Live, the crowd was electric. Not many times I've yelled louder than when Brower scored. Um, Gary has an awesome story, but let me remind me to come back to it if I don't. Okay. Uh, Shilu says, I'll do a high and a low for the decade. My lowest of lows came just prior to the first season with 34 going on a leave of absence. Uh, the Blues gave up seven goals to both Washington and Ottawa. It was my year back as a season ticket holder, and I questioned my investment in the franchise. And then my high was the night 91 had a Howe hat trick against Edmonton a few years back. Honorable mention to Sonny's regards for Nashville's 92 after a home-and-home Blues win last year. It was caught on film. A moment that signified confidence and an edge in this franchise. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was... Uh, man, we had so much gumption. Gumption, a real mm. Darren Pang word in the second half. That Little year. guys. That's right. Uh, Gary tweets uh, at Frosty3PH, uh, Frosty Frosty with a PH and an I, so it might not be Frosty at all, but it <laughs> looks like Frosty. Uh, my earlier reply is my favorite story. This one is shorter, so this is the same Gary we'll talk about later. I worked every day but one of the playoff run last year. My wife and stepdaughter went to all the home watch parties. They were there when we won it. I was at work. She took videos of it all for me. That's a that's a good wife. That's a dynamite wife. You should probably keep her. You should marry that lady. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You marry your wife, sir. Scott Brunkhorst said uh, Tarasenko's debut six nothing against the Wings. Steen stealing that puck from Quick on the PK in overtime in the playoffs to score a shorthanded goal. Brower's goal in Game Seven. Winter Classic. Reeves blowing a kiss. Elliott getting three shutouts in a row. Uh, fact check that Allen may have gotten one of them. Uh, I think Elliot did get... No, I think it was Elliot Allen Elliot, I'm pretty sure. Mm. But um, either way, pretty awesome. Uh, the initial Hick- Hitchcock signing, Thornton still not winning every- anything. Petty, but uh, agreeable. 
I like that. <laughs> Laterra trade, Piranha only signing with us. Army and General Marchand skating off the ice with 10 seconds left. Uh, he took his own dream away. Maroons game seven goal, and let's not forget how amazingly St. Louis uh, that how amazingly St. Louis that picture of Bishop and Maroon was after the game. We stole your thunder, Scott. I'm sorry that we mentioned it beforehand, but it was great. Oh, and lastly, Tarasenko's playoff goal against the Hawks with six seconds left to send it to overtime and win. And the second best part when Petro was asked why he passed to Senko and said something along the lines of, he just kept telling, yelling Russian at me, so I figured <laughs> oh, he wanted to right. fuck. Uh, that's awesome. Oh, one of the other, i got to remember this, one of the best... Other quotes. There's so many like little memorable moments. Is uh, when Braden Shen lines up in the faceoff dot and tells uh-huh. and Berglund says there's set play and he tells Berglund there is no set oh, play. Oh, I forgot about and that. And then starts the fight <laughs> against like Landeskog or whoever. <laughs> I love it. I forgot about there is no set play. That's the title of one of our episodes. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. That's awesome. Um, David Kogut says being able to take my sons to their first playoff game in 2012 versus the Shark. Uh, one son for game number one, the other for game number two was memorable. They got to experience the difference in atmosphere and the intensity that's the Stanley Cup playoffs. Elmers at Sawyer Quillens says, 2013 game one versus the Blackhawks. I was in attendance when Alex Steen netted the three-overtime game-winning goal. That's still insane that that happened in third overtime. How did we survive? Honestly, it was, took... It was awful. It was awful. <laughs> I just remember wanting it. To, I wanted us to win, but I was like, "Please, just if we're it. gonna lose, could you just lose now?" Yeah. Oh yeah. Give That's me, how I felt give me my emotion. Game seven. I just need the emotion. <laughs> One of them. Liz Miller. Uh, watching TJ Oshie score a goal from his knees against Nashville at home mm-hmm. on my 14th birthday, April 2011. Happy uh, belated birthday by the eight years, Liz. Uh, you were thinking about how old that would make her. It would make her, I don't want to think numbers, Ian. This is a track. Why did I say this? Old <laughs> or young. 20. One, twenty-two, somewhere in there. I'm very bad at math. I'm sorry, Liz. But I'm sure whatever you age you are, it's amazing. And thank you for listening. Uh, Nathan M. <laughs> tweets, You do the math, Mr. <laughs> Smart Math Guy. <laughs> she was 14 in 2000, uh, for 11, which means... <laughs> And nine years. Three years plus nine years as she's 23. We figured it out. We got it. We got it. We're or good. she's not. Who knows? <laughs> We're so sorry, Liz. Your memory was great. Our math skills are very poor. <laughs> uh, and uh, Nathan M. says... Uh, January 14th, 2016, unless he's British, in which case he said the first day of the 14th month in 2016. September. <laughs> first time seeing the Blues at Scott trade was also the first game after the Rams left. DeWitt and Stillman dropped the puck together as an FU. The arena took over with the Cronky Sucks chant. That was a great moment. The Alex Steen overtime goal, this is Dylan White, uh, versus the Kings in overtime. I remember the feeling that we were going to blow the whole game because we had just taken some uh, penalties and then out of nowhere the puck was in the back of the net and Quick was sprawled on the ice in disbelief. Such a cool moment for a franchise that, at the time, hadn't had any in a long time. Uh, And then let's get to David's story, which is really incredible. Uh, And I will read it now. He said, I had a motorcycle wreck in May 2016. Broke eight ribs, shattered my shoulder blade, broke my femur directly in half. Yikes! Wow. That doesn't sound 
Good. I'm glad you're alive. Yeah, thanks for still being here, uh, Gary. And he said, I had to have a rod put into my femur and some screws and nails to hold it together. I wake up from surgery. Uh, mind you, the Blues were in the playoffs and asked, who won? Found out not us, LOL. <laughs> I was depressed, but they said not long after that they were doing the Winter Classic, which got me crazy excited. I was having issues with rehabs. Things did not go very well for me. Four months in the hospital, had to fight off pneumonia and shingles, while not being able to move because of the ribs. Yikes. Uh, after that was done, I had to fight another five months to try with more rehab to just move my knee. Needless to say, about the time the Winter Classic came around, I was barely able to walk using mostly a cane and walker. My w- amazing wife got us three tickets, or got us tickets three days before. I'm still trying to figure out how when it was sold out, and I couldn't be more excited. I was getting to see our boys play in Bush Stadium, and the best part was getting the tickets to the alumni game. Are you kidding me? you mean to tell me that in one game I get to see every one of my favorite blues players on the ice at the same time? Uh, Brett Hall, uh, Kelly Chase, Cam Jansen, Wayne Gretzky, uh, wait for it, Bobby Plager. Uh, Bernie and I actually cried when Kelly Chase changed into a Pavel Pavel Dimitra jersey, which I forgot, and that was great. The reason I stumbled was because he tagged all the people, so I had to figure out what their (laughs) tags were. Uh, But I figured it out. We got it. Uh, to top off that bad weather during the first part of the Winter Classic, I still couldn't get upset. I was in pain, of course, but I was so happy to. The first St. Louis Blues game that I took my wife to was versus Dallas. She fell in love with hockey and me at the time, same time. She didn't know the alumni like I did, but she knew I wanted to see them. She made the whole thing happen. That was the best hockey week of my life. I get goosebumps every time I walk about it. I, I talk about it. The crash sucked. Uh, the games were awesome. My wife is amazing. Forever going to be a happy memory. And uh, if it wasn't clear before, yeah, definitely stay married to the mm-hmm. woman you're yeah. married to. Uh, but, Gary, seriously, thanks for uh, sharing that. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, hope you're doing better. And I hope so, too. It sounds like he is. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, that's just that's kind of the power of hockey and the power of this team that has always been such a, you know, not to disparage it in any way, but kind of a blue-collar um Sort of, you know, work workmen's team of the put the work people. On. Yeah, and the city has always rallied behind it in that way, and I think that's a that's just a perfect embodiment of it. So, thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank all of you for sharing all your stories with us. Uh, and uh, let's go ahead and close this bad boy out with our teams of the decade. How do you want to discuss these, Ian? Um, go. Did you do lines? I did lines. Good, me too. We can go line by line. Do you let's want to do start? It. Uh, GM of the decade, you got any qualms with uh, Doug Doug Armstrong? Armstrong. I think Larry Flow. (laughs) A lot of of those picks that Doug Armstrong had to play with were Larry Flow's picks. He didn't trade the pick that became Mm -hmm. Jaden Schwartz. And then runner-up was was assistant GM Martin Brodeur. (laughs) Oh, yeah, right. Club legend Martin Brodeur. Head coach of the decade. Did a poll on Twitter, Berube versus Hitchcock, got 90% Berube. And I just want to say for a moment that you're all wrong. Yeah, I'm sorry. It, of, of the, you're not because you're you not. can just judge it a different way. But I'll say this though: the cup win he gets, if I'm saying that's like 51 percent, 52 percent, where Hitchcock should then be like 48, and oh, that's yeah. with a cup oh, win. Yeah. Without the cup win, Hitch, Hitchcock easily. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, all I'm saying is we just see it differently and. 
by that metric, then the team of the decade is just the 2018-19 team. Mm -hmm. But in terms of impact across the whole decade, it's got to be Hitchcock to me. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the fact that we never get to where Craig Berube got us to without Ken Hitchcock. Ken Hitchcock made this team like a contending team. A cup. We talked about the cup with Ken Hitchcock. Mm Mm-hmm. We didn't do that with uh, Andy Murray or Davis Payne. And as grossed out as we might have been with him at the end and tired of him and ready for him to move on, mm-hmm. he still had to get us there. He know? was great for quotes. He was mm-hmm. a great quote guy. I remember him talking about uh, the, we're going to fix the, the power play in one practice mm-hmm. and then doing it mm-hmm. uh, temporarily at least. It was just insane. So uh, those are over. You want to do forwards, defense, or goaltending first? Let's do forwards. We'll work our way okay. towards the goal. Okay. I like it. I like it. We build from the defense. You build from the goal out. So we're going to build in reverse. Mm-hmm. Something. You want to give me your first line? <laughs> <laughs> My first line for the all-decade team is a current line, well, would be if one of them was still Ooh. around. It is Schwartz, Shen, Tarasenko. Hey. You're putting Shen up top, huh? Yeah, I mean, this was just to keep the same line that okay. currently exists. Okay. Um, so you're lying to me. Yeah, Jane Schwartz, Vladimir Tarasenko, obviously both on here. Jane Schwartz has played 490 games despite being relatively injury prone. Mm-hmm. He's uh, only cracked 60 points once. He's never played a full That's 82 also game an season. Thing. Yeah, exactly. But he's the engine of this team. We've mentioned it before. When Schwartz has been out injured, the Blues <laughs> have not felt the same. Uh-huh. Tarasenko. I mean, what else am I going to say? He's 10th most goals scored in the NHL since uh, the 2012-2013 season, which was his first season. He's 5th in most goals scored in Blues franchise history. He's got 5 back-to-back 30-plus goal seasons starting in 14-15. He's got 428 points in 507 games played. He's got 214 goals, 214 assists. He's even on those? That's cool. I didn't know that. I don't know what else you got to say about the guy. Yeah. Braden Shen is the harder sell, but really not. I mean, I mean, being on the team, no, yeah. not at all. But. but just like this decade with the Blues, 195 games played, so not that many, obviously, but 158 points, that's .81 uh, points per game for him. He's, uh, let's see, his chemistry with fellow Saskatchewan, Schwartz is undeniable. He came here as a guy who barely played center and only scored on the power play and transformed himself into a top-line center who has scored 72% of his points at even strength. Oh, wow. That's impressive. And he was the light that burned brightest in the 17-18 debacle of a season. (laughs) That's also true. Uh, My top line, uh, and I don't think either of the guys that I include that you didn't will not be on your team. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, But uh, I went with Alex Steen, David Backus, and Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, I just think... Just over, just because of the impact over the course of the decade. Mm-hmm. Steen and Schwartz had certainly have been flipped and just looked at it a little differently. Uh, but you built a, co- a cohesive line, which I did later on, so uh, no problems there. But Steen, uh, you know, best trade, one of the best trades in Blues history. He's now fifth all-time in games played and sixth in points for the Blues, and he's done most of that de- this decade. I think it's funny how similar... Uh, Alex and his dad Thomas will be kind of when mm-hmm. he retires because it's just like they may not be looked at as like true legends of the game at large, but they're going to be such a like centerpiece legend of their franchise, mm-hmm. you know. And and I think they're very similar in that way. I've had down that he's played the most games this decade of any forward for the St. Louis Blues, and I could be wrong as I didn't look at this, but I think that means he's the only Blues forward that is 
actively playing on the Blues roster for the entire decade. Oh, Obviously, yeah. minus when he's injured and yeah. everything, but from 2010 all the way up to 2020, yeah, I, there's I not a single there's... forward that's still here. Yeah. Patrick Berglund was close. It would be a weird Patrick Berglund, <laughs> Alexander Steam, but yeah. The big Swedes. That's nuts. Uh, David Backus um, never fulfilled his dream of bringing a Stanley Cup here. Uh, which is ironic and tragic that he was in the yeah. press box when they won it. I wrote down that that but was... But at least he was there. <laughs> I wrote down that crappy contract aside, I think of all the players who left the team this decade, he is the one I wish was still here the most for uh, the cup win. Oh, for sure, yeah. If he could have signed a less god-awful contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, he spent 727 games in a blues sweater between 20, 2006 and 2016. And he was the captain from 11 to 16. He was in the top five. I don't think I even knew this. He was in the top five of Selkie voting four seasons in a row from 2011-12 to 2014-15. And I think he got as high as maybe second. Uh, he was also helped steer the team to its best-ever finish prior to the Stanley Cup scoring 14 points in the 2016 postseason. Um, and then, yes, he left, but, you know, he built the legacy in his time here. And then Tarasenko, you said everything. The only thing statistically that I would add uh, is that he is tied for sixth in postseason goals scored in the past decade, uh, despite playing 30 or more fewer games than any of the players above him and some of the players below him on the list. And in the 2010s, he was first in goals scored per playoff game for those players who participated in 50 uh, games or more. So Holy crap. Uh, we, I tend to, even as a Blues fan, sort of overlook him as like, a truly elite player in the mm-hmm. league, a truly elite scorer at least, and uh, don't, because he is. And he's a playoff performer. I know for a while there, when we first had him, I was like, hey, you got a goal here and there in a mm-hmm. series, and then he'd disappear. But he, he's been better and better as the years have gone by. Uh, my second line, a lot of the same players you had on your first line, I had Steen Backus Oshie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steen, again, we already said, if he's like... I picture him as sort of like he is the St. Louis Blues because mm-hmm. he's just been here the entire time. Mm-hmm. When he's gone, it's gonna be it's gonna feel weird. Yeah. Like I know he's got a smaller role currently, but it'll feel weird. Mm-hmm. And then for David Backus, if Steen's the all oh, that assist he made the other day yeah. too, that's mm-hmm. hot. He still got it. He still he's got, got it in mix. there. Yeah, just doesn't have the speed anymore. But if Steen's the soul of the Blues, then David Backus was the heart. Um, dude played shutdown role against the opposition's best players as well as had. Fights with players, laid some huge hits, all while still averaging 56 points a season. We kind of forget that David Backus was actually fairly consistent here. It just could never quite get the team over the hump to the cup. Uh, like I said, I wish he was here for it. I wish he could have taken a smaller contract and played more of an Alexander Steen role here. I think there would have been space for him, but I also understand that he's just going to try and get his money. Mm-hmm. So. Props to him. Uh, and then TJ Oshie, this decade, just this decade with the Blues, 310 games played, 78 goals, 145 assists for 223 points. Uh, he was a fan favorite. He was the Tarasenko before Tarasenko. He was the one putting butts in seats for this team before the Blues regularly saw playoff appearances. Oshie was and still is the best player the Blues have ever had for the shootout. And he only cracked 20 goals once, but you tend to forget he was an assist machine before he left here. Mm-hmm. The guy, that whole line, Steenbackus Oshie, was like our best line for probably three years. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, my second line is Jaden Schwartz, Braden Shin, and TJ Oshie. <laughs> so our top sixes are identical, they're just shuffled a little bit. 
Uh, everything you should, said for Schwartz, 489 games, 341 points, 50 points in 75 playoff games, and two, including uh, th- two in the Stanley Cup playoffs and the mm-hmm. Stanley Cup uh, run. Uh, or sorry, including two hat tricks in the Stanley Cup run, and he led the team in even strength goals during that run. Uh, and yeah, like you said, straw that stirs the dink, drink, or the dink. Or the dink. <laughs> we love dinks. Qualms. I got a qualm. <laughs> Shin uh, has only been here a limited time, but he set a career high as soon as he got here. He's been great ever since. He had a little bit of a down year last year, but he's been terrific this year. He had that incredible start with all the goals. So, yeah, I mean, it's not Sometimes much. I forget we extended him already. I'm like, and, I wonder what we'll be like without him next yeah, year. I'm exactly. like, oh, wait, never mind. And because the two... Uh, are inseparable on the real ice. I, like you, decided to not separate them on the uh, fictitious team of the decade. So, And then, yeah, TJ Oshie, uh, it sucks that we lost him. I think that's kind of one of the big what-ifs of uh, the Blues decade, mm-hmm. maybe the only real what-if, because they kind of did everything else. He was so popular, 443 games, 310 points, the Sochi Olympic moment, which we talked about. He's a fan favorite everywhere, uh, but we love him and, and miss him, so... Please come, come back. back. <laughs> Please. Have a victory lap with Washington. the Blues. That'd be great. That'd be great if he's you like crappy You could be Jason team. Arnett. You could, you be, could <laughs> be Jamie Langenbrunner. That you, could be you. He's like, God, I'll just retire then. <laughs> uh, my third line is uh, Perron, O'Reilly, and Berglund. I remember those guys. They were miserable. Yeah. They were miserable. Let's see. Perron, O'Reilly, and Berglund. Yep. You want to know what my third line is? Sure. Perron, O'Reilly, and Berglund. Really? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> So yeah, so let's talk about Perron. Uh, this only this decade with the Blues, two hundred ninety six games played, two hundred and six points. Uh, Perron was a fan favorite for his flash in his earlier years, but in the last two stints with the Blues, he has transformed into a fantastic all around player. Perron may actually love the city of St. Louis more than it loves him, <laughs> and that's saying something. He does, yeah, just incredible, and he's been a fully evolved player uh, since. He came back yeah. the second time. I never would have thought after we traded him that, I mean, most of the time you trade people, they're not coming back. So I never <laughs> think that no matter what. But I was like that he came back twice. He's and that played like, yeah. for five teams and only ever signed a contract with the St. Louis boys. I thought of those three, of Oshie, Berglund, and Perron. I always thought if one of them stays here forever, it's going to be TJ Oshie. Mm-hmm. And I honestly never really thought it was going to be David Perron. <laughs> yeah. And here we are. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, mm-hmm. uh, pretty good. I don't know that we need to sing his phrases yeah, a lot. I was like, but... on a decade team where he's only played 123 games here, but he has 111 points, almost a point per game player since he's been here, mm-hmm. Con Smythe winner. You don't have the same decade without the Stanley Cup, and mm-hmm. he was such a big part of that. So he's got to be on. Here. Yeah, as I thought about writing, I, I wrote and published my list on uh, the Hockey Writers, so toot my own horn there, and you can go check it out over there. But as I thought I about uh, who um, who do I exclude, because you have to exclude some people, and as I weighed decision like Hitchcock versus Berube, um and uh, goalie decisions we'll talk about later, uh, O'Reilly was the one where it was like a. First of all, I never had any doubts. Mm-hmm. But secondly, it's like if I left him off because he wasn't here long enough, there would be like a revolt. Oh, yeah. So uh, he was definitely just, included. Yeah, it's just too strong. And Patrick Bergwin, look, we can be kind of bitter about how he left and how he was towards the end of here. Uh, but he scored 322 games and 694 points. People forget he was a legit fan favorite for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, big, impersonable, and uh, gorgeous, gorgeous man. Yeah. Um, 
such close friends with uh, T.J. Oshie, and uh, you know he's uh, he's up there in the uh, all-time games played for the Blues. Um, and so yeah, it sucks how he left, and it sucks that before he left, he was uh, underperforming on his contract. But that doesn't erase what he did. And I yeah, I think it's a very controversial decision to put him here. No, I mean he was extremely consistent, dependable as a third line center while he was here. He was very good on the defensive end. I think the only real problem people had every so often was that he seemed a little slower because he just kind of was a little slower because yeah. he was a big guy and uh, he wasn't. After a rookie season that I don't think he, of fifty something points, I don't think he ever got back to. People just thought they were promised the world with Berglund, and he yeah. never quite lived up to it. But for what he was, I thought he was great. He was a real Dmitri Yaskin type. Yeah, uh, and then Dmitri Yaskin was also a future Marion uh, I was like, I don't know who should be offended. Our fourth lines are, are actually going to be different. We're going to have left different people off. Mm-hmm. So do you want to lead with yours? Yeah. I bet our center's the same. Probably. And then our wings are going to be different. Yeah. Me. Tell me. So mine is uh, Vladimir Saboka, Paul Stasny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I had a trifecta, and I switched once, and then I switched twice again. And I think I'm. I think I picked the right one for me. And the final one is Ryan Reeves. Oh, that's a switcher that yeah. I even I didn't know about. Okay. So Vladimir Saboka. 329 games played with the Blues, which I was astounded by. Mm-hmm. I forgot that he was even like close to 0.3 points per game for this team, which is pretty good for a fourth-line player, 133 points in 329 games. Uh, his second stint here with the Blues was less than stellar, but his first stint, howdy-doody, that was a ball fun to watch. Uh, he hit, he fought, he was surprisingly scored. He did all he was asked to do as a fourth-liner or more, and he filled in on the third line in a pinch, and... I think we kind of forget about him because other than that short little secondary stint, he was really only here for the first half of the decade, uh, and that was the latter but half. But in a weird way, he was the property of the Blues for the whole decade, Yeah. Much. Oh, yeah, when he left, he, he was, never didn't go anywhere rights, else. So. Yeah, It was interesting. I know yeah. I get that it's hard to remember that far back, but I do remember him being a fun player, and he was he was here for six seasons before he uh, went elsewhere. As we will see shortly, I did leave him off my mm-hmm. list, but he was the first man off. Oh, okay. He was the one that it was like, it's going to be him or this other guy, and it's going to be him. I was like, I'll tell you who I left off after we get to yours. Paul Stasny, uh, 267 games played here, 175 points. Pretty good for a, his short four-year stint mm-hmm. here. I think he never played a full... Season, I think every season was like 60-ish, 70-ish games. Uh, some fans turned up their noses at Stasny because he wasn't scoring like a $7 million center. Should be scoring, but I almost hated typing lists because we talked about ad nauseum. He wasn't a $7 million center. We <laughs> paid him that, but he wasn't that. Yep. And so he scored Same just fine. Same way Tyler not a $5 million. Yeah, he so. scored just fine for a... Six million dollar center, <laughs> and he won faceoffs like crazy. Yeah. he wasn't healthy all the time. I I would be if I didn't include him on this list. I would feel like something was missing. Mm-hmm. Like he was here for the middle. I'm going to say the middle transition period. Really, well, and also if Paul Stastny is the fourth best center your mm-hmm. team had in a decade, so your team's doing pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Which is an insanity to me because for the for most of this decade <laughs> yeah. we had center issues. Yeah. Not until Paul Stas like even when we had Stasny, it was still Stasny, Bacchus, and fucking who, mm-hmm. you know. And then we had Latera fill in for a while, but then only in the last like two years when we have Shen and O'Reilly, have we actually ever like figured out the entirety of our center oh, core. Yeah. Um, and then Ryan Reeves, and I guess I could say so. Ryan Reeves was on here. At first, it was Andy McDonald. 
then I found out Danny McDonald only played 120 games for us this decade. Mm-hmm. So if I included the rest, if I included his the bulk of his work for St. Louis in the last decade, he's on here easy peasy. Because he actually, like, holy shit, that dude scored a lot for us when we were bad. He's probably the only guy scoring aside from Brad Boys, but, like, he scored a lot. Um, so I, I left him off, then I went to Chris Stewart. And to be quite honest with you, something didn't, something didn't sit right with me having Chris Stewart on here. It's, I understand if you would and if you do, I get it, because he actually played a lot of games for us, and he scored, like, 60 goals in his, like, 200-something games here, which is really good. And he had some flash, but I, I, needed, I needed someone else, and then I thought of Ryan Reeves, and, well, Ryan Reeves, of course, only has 51 points and his 419 games played here. He also has 419 games played here. Uh, Reeves was just a fan favorite. We There's people that missed him when he left, when he left and he got traded to Vegas, or he went to Pittsburgh, and his contract was up, or he got to Vegas, and he was the one where you left, and people wanted us to take him back. There's rumors that we would, and then he didn't come back. But I know people miss him, and he was like the last fighter we had on this team. I mean, really, there's been no one since he left that's mm. like our fighting person. I guess Chris Thorburn, but really, not the same. Yeah, I uh, I did not include Brad Reeves, and Ooh, I maybe should funny. have. The no. more I thought about it, at first I was like, yeah, but he wasn't a contributor. You know, yeah. I left. I put him in as like guy. the fan vote sort but, of yeah, thing, where it's like he made up like the team. A fan favorite. He was always here. He's above some of the guys who were more certain on the list in terms of fan love. So mm-hmm. uh, that 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 uh, that probably. Probably a mistake. I did include Danny McDonald. That's good. And, I like uh, Danny McDonald. I maybe shouldn't have because you pointed out about the 120 games, but I think I was sort of crediting him with just being the team in its darkest period. He had like 90 points in those 120 came, games or something, too. Yeah, he had uh, 230 in 294 games. That's what I'm saying. Like In his entire career here... He was the only human mm-hmm. being scoring for he, this team. He came right after the year where we drafted uh, Eric Johnson, and he began to lend this team some legitimacy when it really had previously mm-hmm. had none. And I think uh, for that, I'm I'm kind of, you know, and he was, uh, to be personally honest, he was one of my early favorite players. So, mm-hmm. you know. I think we got Paul Crea after him, and uh-huh. he most certainly helped in that regard. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, Saboka could go there 100%. Uh, Paul Stastny, my center, no questions. Uh, I think, you know, it's just the contract. People got too hyped and got disappointed by what he delivered. But when you really look at the numbers, 175 points in 267 games, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, he missed some games because of injury, and he didn't do especially well in the playoffs. But, look, you traded him for Eric Foley, and the pick became do- that became Dominic Bach that we then traded for Falk. Uh you know, it, it sucks that it wasn't a little happier story. It sucks that he didn't get the Pat Maroon story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I don't. I wouldn't change much about this decade in retrospect the way it's worked out. So I'm fine with him being here. And then I did put Chris Stewart. And let me tell you, it did feel gross. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got him in the, in the Johnson trade as sort of the forgotten part uh, uh, compared to a guy that I imagine we'll both be talking about later. But he did get... 15 goals and 23 points in his first 26 games. We were so excited for him. He has, still to this day, probably the best backhand shot of just oh, about yeah. any player I've ever I seen. I almost included his first goal as a blue in his first game in like the top 10 goals uh-huh. because it was just like a holy shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he played 211 games and scored 115 points. 
63 of those were goals, and then he got traded for Ryan Miller. So, yeah, it's another guy like Stastny where the hype was high from the beginning and he didn't quite deliver. Uh, but, um, you know, I think he's he's right on the borderline. He's got to be, you know, the, the guys you included that I didn't mm-hmm. are the guys that I would have to consider. Mm-hmm. And I think the guys I included that you didn't would be the guys you were considering. Yeah, I obviously worse. So. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone... I say this now, and someone will be like, did you forget that Max Pacioretty played for your team or whatever? I'm like, I don't think there's anyone I combed over. I was like, oh, I guess they would be on here too. There's like some from the current team, but quite honestly, I was like, if you're on the current team. Yeah, but even that, it's like. You didn't do that much this decade. Like, um, I'm trying to think of who it would even be. Like an Oscar Sunquist or whatever. Like, cool, but they didn't do much this decade Mm -hmm. yet or whatever. Mm -hmm. And hopefully all those guys will be on the 2020s. Yeah, cool. 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 All right. Uh, first defensive pairing, Alex Petrangelo, J. Bowman. Yep, correct. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, I mean, Alex Petrangelo just passed Al McKinnis to be the franchise leader in assists. Uh, he'll set pretty much all the milestones if he signs a contract, which, once again, just for a second, please. please do, do it. it. Just do it. Uh, but he played only 17 of his 712 games before this decade because mm-hmm. those were the two weird years where he was here for like a oh, month his and a little half, tri- his junior shot trial him period. back down to juniors. Where do you play junior hockey? Niagara Ice Dogs? Ooh. I think. Very nice. Sorry, Niagara. Uh, since then, he's played 712 games and has 426 points, 45 points in the 83 playoffs games. He's voted been voted for the Norris six times and fallen as high as fourth. He is the captain and has been for half a decade, and he was the first captain to hold the Stanley Cup. Amongst defensemen in the 2010s, did you have these stats? down? Because I wrote it down. Go ahead. I just didn't want to steal your thunder. Petrangelo ranks ninth in assists, Mm -hmm. 8th in goals, uh, ninth in assists with 324, 8th in goals with 102, and 7th in points with 426. He also ranks 4th in game-winning goals with 25. I mean, no one was debating Alex (laughs) Petrangelo's presence on this list, but he is just absolutely, I would say above Tarasenko, above Bacchus, above anyone, the number one player of this decade. Yeah. That's crazy to think about, but yeah. But I, I mean, right. he's the only guy, you, you talked about Steam, but he's the only other guy that's like into end of oh, the yeah. decade. It's like his peak. Oh, and he's played you more know? than Steam, too. He's played the most games of any Blue yeah. this decade. Oh, yeah. And he's the captain that helped, helped hoisted the cup. It's so crazy because he's just always been there, but I never, up until maybe this last year, mm-hmm. really think, fuck Alex, like Alex Petrangelo. <laughs> yeah. We need this motherfucker. Yeah. He's just there and consistent. Now I'm like, oh shit, you surprisingly are think, now our best player. I think he's like he's like a kind of analogous to the Blues, too, where he, he comes in in 2010-11 mm-hmm. as like a fresh-faced kid, doesn't know nothing about nothing. He's getting his feet under him, and he's he's good, mm-hmm. but he's, you know, he's learning and learning and learning, and then he builds up to the to the Bacchus point, and that's like his reset, too, because now suddenly he's captain. Mm. And I read some quotes recently about him being like, yeah, I'm nervous as hell. You know, basically <laughs> like, yeah, that's a huge responsibility. Look at the dudes that have worn this before me, you know? Mm. And honestly, it was rocky for a little while with him as captain, and we were talking about maybe you shouldn't be captain. And then, boom, you know, we power through. We had that amazing start to the, was it the 17-18 season, mm. the one we eventually that went so pear-shaped, but he had that incredible start. Uh, he was really good the next two years and we've seen the very few times he suffers a significant injury how dark it is without him around he's Mm -hmm. just he's the whole team and it it just makes sense and yeah Bo Meester 
I don't think there's any question, but we got. (laughs) There's really nothing to say. (laughs) I mean, there are, you know, there there really aren't a lot of numbers to give for Jay Bromeister, but we got him in 2013 to be Alex Petrangelo's defensive partner, and he was that, not only here, but at the Olympics. Mm -hmm. He was an Ironman. He hasn't been since, unfortunately, but he's been great when he was healthy, and he managed to go from basically looking dead at the start of last year to being part of the shutdown pairing without which we would have never sniffed the cup mm-hmm. with Colton Pareko. So I don't, you know, he doesn't score a lot. I don't know. I didn't even <laughs> bother to look up how many points he has as a boy. I assume well under 100. He has, um, a, he has a 121 points. Oh, well, damn. Good for him. He's had 104 assists. And how many games? Uh, 475 games. So, yeah. I mean, no question he's on there, but that's a better point output than I thought. Many, that's like one point every four games. How many goals do you think he has? Oh, boy. How many points? He has 121 points. Um, I was about to tell you his assist, then eight, you would have done some prediction. 18 goals? Very close. He has 17 <laughs> goals. <laughs> nice. I thought you'd go under. I would I would have been like some dummy who would have been like 10. I know he's had like two or three a season usually. Yeah, yeah. You know? So I figured it's got to be somewhere around there. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot more to say about Jay other than that. I, I still think, I thought this a lot last year when he looked awful, uh, but I still think he's going to retire around the league and here in particular as sort of an underappreciated guy mm-hmm. uh, because that's just the kind of game he plays. Uh, but, man, I still remember the first time we got him and I got to see him just really, like, get to top gear in open ice. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> an NHL player can skate that fast? and that, makes it look so effortless. That's smooth, too. He mm-hmm. was the smoothest skater I've ever seen. He's still one of the smoothest skaters I've ever seen in terms of just, like, his strides are so long and it's so, like, no wasted motion, which is mm-hmm. a lot about what they talk about in scouting and stuff, you know, because it's just not, I mean, he's just so perfect for that and it's mm-hmm. just you know he's been great ever since so who's your second pairing my second pairing is jackman shattenkirk oh yeah mine too baby yeah uh jackman we kind of forget about but probably because he's the most defensively minded as any defensively minded human being can possibly get uh 306 346 games played this decade uh, 68 points in that time. He was tough as nails to play against. Never gave up an inch of the ice without letting you know he was there. He had some passing gaffes here and there that I will admit I yelled at from my seat towards him. Uh, mm-hmm. But we'll always love Jax, Jax, Jax. Oh, yeah. And yeah. now he's doing a podcast. So this He's really? one of us. Yeah, he's with Jeremy Rutherford oh, okay, on yeah. that podcast. I'm going to have a listen to that. Yeah. I'm going to go listen to a real podcast. Uh, <laughs> professional as podcast. Mm-hmm. And then Kevin Shattenkirk this decade, 425 games played, 258 points to the Blues. Shatty was one of the best power play quarterbacks the Blues have ever had, and probably the best one they've had even since he's left. Uh, he could score from all over the ice, and he taught me at a, at a young hockey fan age that defenseman could actually jump up in the play and score. Mm-hmm. He played like a forward. That was new to no one except for me. I was like, oh, shit, yeah. this is possible. He <laughs> uh, was also surprisingly dependable in the shootout, just like a guy that I really enjoyed, and I almost I felt sad mm-hmm. as I realized that he wasn't the best defensively because I was like, oh, no, you're one of my favorite players, and I have to acknowledge for like the first time ever that yeah that like one of my favorite players is like not great at like part <laughs> of his job and it pained me but he was so good at scoring like yeah. the guy scored 
almost at will from really weird angles. Mm -hmm. I swear he'd be like almost out of the zone on the power play in the corner at the blue line, just kind of flip it at the net and it would go in like what felt like half the time. Uh I was like, no way. Like how, why? Yeah. And I think just, you know, circumstances forced him to be traded. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he was always a fan favorite and kind of a clubhouse leader here, and I think he told me were the a, yeah. and, and Backman, Backman, Jackman played most of his, more than half of his games last decade. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, is still a team leader and a the, the kind of grizzled veteran that uh, led the team, led the defensive core spiritually, mm-hmm. if you will, in this decade. I think both of those guys belong on here. You have more to say about them, or? No, I mean, and they were a pairing for a while. It was just, mm-hmm. uh, it was, yeah, makes sense. My third pairing, mm-hmm. I wonder if it's going to be the same. I don't know. I think we probably have one of the same people. Colton Pareko. Correct. Oh, yeah. Cor- <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> that is the, the one. Correct that was the one you were allowed to have. Yeah. I went with Carl Gunnarsson? Yes! Hey! And I cheated and gave Joel Evanson the seventh. <laughs> but, uh... You know, Pareko is another guy where the stats aren't necessarily what you can really sell on him, although mm-hmm. I'm sure he's got decent ones. But, uh, um, you know, there would be folks who probably argue he belongs above Shattenkirk if you're ranking them. I oh, don't yeah. care enough to really do that. But he emerged 2015-16. He was an absolute draft steal from the third round in 2012. He's 6'6". He skates like the wind. He's got so one of the hardest. Had, you, you wrote so that. He skates really, really fast for a man of his size. Uh, and he's one of the hardest slap shots in the league. He immediately became a fan favorite. He's also a fan favorite of Cole, of uh, Craig Berube, who recently said that if, if he had a daughter, he'd want her to marry Colton Pareko, mm-hmm. or maybe he does have a daughter, and that's who he allowed for her to marry. I don't know. But or maybe in any case, he wants to marry uh, Colton Pareko. Yeah, that's right. Rutherford recently asked, Barubi was uh, tweet, tweeted, Barubi was asked recently which player he'd allow a daughter to marry, and he didn't waste any time saying Pareko. After Murat Ates of the Winnipeg, of the Winnipeg, a Winnipeg reporter tweeted, I think Colton Pareko just apologized mid-play for missing his first look at a breakout pass. He was standing behind the net with the puck and called out, sorry and my bad. So on brand. So very, very <laughs> on brand. Uh, and then, yeah, he formed the shutdown pairing with uh, Jay Bowmeister that was vital to the Blues' success in 2019. He's just 26 and hopefully has his best years ahead of them, hopefully all with the Blues. Who knows? But uh, right now, where we are in this day and age, you know, he's a centerpiece of this team and has been for half the decade now. It's kind of nuts. I still remember his rookie year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's crazy. came out of nowhere. I don't remember ever knowing mm-hmm. really about Colton Pareko oh. before he was here. I, I mean, granted, if we were doing this now, we would know better mm-hmm. about him. But like, I didn't know anything. I remember either him or Edmondson. I, I thought he like, was oh. like Russian or something. Yeah, I don't know. Pareko sounded oh, Russian. Oh yeah, to for me. sure. And he looks very uh, Drago-ish. Yeah, I just remember thinking when he came up that I knew more about Joel Edmondson at that point than I did about Colton Pareko. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Uh, Carl Gunnarsson, weird choice, but I think the right choice. We apparently agree on that. He's been here for six seasons. been here six seasons. He's played 294 games, granted out of a possible 451. I was just going to say. A brittle bone man. I did quick math the other day, and I was like, if he had not been injured, he'd probably play 430 games. Yep, yep. 451 is the exact number. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, he's been healthy. And when he's been healthy, he's been very steady. Mm-hmm. He's played up and down. He can, you know, he'll play first 
pairing all the way down to the press box and doesn't say a word, doesn't ever complain. Uh, he scored our first ever game-winning goal in the Stanley Cup, which mm. is not something to sneeze at. And I think, honestly, he doesn't probably get enough credit for being a little bit of a clutch scorer because he's done that at other times. Boom mm. Boom is a, a nickname for a reason. He doesn't appear on the stat sheet much, uh, but when he does, it seems to be important. Mm-hmm. And, hey, he's been here half the decade. So. I was like, yeah, that was what I was almost most impressed. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like he's, he's one of those guys that seems new. Did you? you have anything more to say about him? No, I think he covered it. And then just in my article, at least, I gave a hat tip to Joel Edmondson. Mm-hmm. Every team needs a seventh defender, Ian. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's just, uh, just. I think it was just neck and neck. Him and uh, Gunnarsson could have gone either way. Um, uh, he was, you know, big body and probably never quite became what a lot of us hoped when we were looking at Pareko and Edmondson as, like, you know, I think we were both talking about them as like they're the top pair in four mm-hmm. or five years. You know, and then he never quite, quite did become that. But he's still a big part of this team. Very likable. Very earnest. <laughs> Which always seems like an insult somehow. You're so earnest. Always earnest. Big old dummy. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but yeah, oh. are you ready to move on to goalies? You ready to stir some shit are up? We, are we going to be very on brand for our podcast? I am. Not. Oh. Are you? I I am, but only only because only because I have to. My rules dictate I have to. So you want to lead? Yes. I I went Bennington Elliott. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Total burn. I'm sorry. Woo. Woo job. I'm so sorry. Really? I, look, if if Jordan Bennington, if we don't win the cup, it's Elliot Allen. Easily. Uh-huh. I mean, literally, like, what? Honestly, when you think about it, we've had four goalies. We've had so many more goalies, but we've had four goalies. We've had uh-huh. Halak, Allen, Elliott, I was and looking Bennington. the other night. I suppose maybe Hutton, a but couple, not even. A couple of days ago, when I've been looking at all this, I was trying to look at, like, I was adding up their games and mm-hmm. thinking about how we needed 820 total games. And I was trying to fill in those gaps. Like, you oh, know, who, did who played the remaining whatever it is. You know, yeah. probably 300 games, and it was like Hutton, Johnson, Conklin, Conklin, probably, yeah. Martin Brodeur. Anders Nielsen. Anders Nielsen played a couple. Did, uh, I think Merrick Schwarz got in like seven at the start mm-hmm. of the decade. Ryan Miller. Yep. Oh, yeah. Wow, just a, a lot of goalies, but really we only had <laughs> yeah. about four goalies. That's right. So, look, I get it, but. So Elliot has okay. We'll start this way. Elliot has to be there ah. because he like has. Do you have his stats? Yeah. What are his bonkers stats? Oh, they're f- f- fucking absurd. He played five seasons here. He was a hundred and four forty six and sixteen, which itself is insane. So what is it? Hundred hundred and four forty six and sixteen. He got a point in. 120 out of 166 games. Um, he had a 925 save percentage. Wow. A 201 goals against average. 32.5 point shares. And then is still, and I think will be for a long time, the franchise leader in shutouts with 25. Um, I know Jake is close, but he's, I personally think, sort of racing the clock. We'll talk about that more at some other time. But, yeah, I mean, he his, 
that that I will talk about. I will, I will just say yeah, I did no. include Jake Allen. Yeah. And to me, I struggled more, and I'll talk about why I included Jake Allen, but I struggled more with Bennington versus Elliott. Really? Uh, because I ultimately excluded Bennington mm-hmm. uh, for similar reasons that I excluded Craig Berube. Uh, but um, Elliott to me was like any time I get to just kind of praise those numbers Mm -hmm. i have to because it's insane and people you know you can say he was a system goalie Mm -hmm. but even jake allen wasn't doing that at the same time halak never did that he was Mm -hmm. good but he never did that you know i just don't i don't think it's fair to just say well you know it's the defense in front of him like Mm -hmm. those numbers are ridiculous i was like and you also see teams today that have decent defenses yeah and their and their goalies just shit jordan bennington's not going to have those numbers this year Mm -hmm. you know uh peter morazic and james reimer aren't going to have those numbers this year is it james reimer yeah. yeah, it's James Reimer. Uh, you know, anyway, so yeah, uh, his numbers are absurd. Sorry, go ahead. I was just that's that's I mean that's, that's it, it for me for Elliot, <laughs> but like for ben, for Bennington, I only had to go. It's, I guess I'm going both ways. I like to go both ways. Uh, uh, if giggity. I'm gonna say Hitchcock is the coach of the decade uh, and not Bruby, but then I'm also gonna say Ryan O'Reilly because he played such a big role when he got here. And granted, he played all of the season last year, whereas Bennington only played a half. I had to give him the nod just because he helped win the cup, and he like I had to because he played all the games and was first goalie to win sixteen games in his what rookie season or ever mm-hmm. or just be like yeah I was just like first ever yeah yeah and I was like so I, suck it Ken Dryden I like play it play in a year <laughs> with more games you loser yeah. <laughs> like I had to but I guess not really and obviously if it's not Jordan Bennington then it's Jake Allen uh huh so let me talk about the case for Jake Go ahead. Allen. Jordan Benning, uh, genuinely, Ian, genuinely, I told myself, I was like, I have to exclude Jordan Bennington because of the same reason I excluded Baruvi. Mm-hmm. It just felt fair. Yeah. But I I was not prepared to see that Jake Allen has played 278 games, ah! which smashes everyone else out of the water. Uh, Brian Elliott, I think, is closest and only had 166. So Jake Allen has started 100 more games for this team. Brian Elliott only played 166 games there? Yeah, in the regular season. Wow. Um, Or at least that's how many he got a decision in. Gotcha, whatever. So he might have gotten 170 or whatever. Damn. uh, His career numbers, as much as we shit on Allen, his Mm -hmm. career numbers still look solid, 9-12-252. Mm. Um, and, you know, we can joke about the overreaction to the Wild Series. It did happen. Mm -hmm. It shows how good he can be. This season he showed how good he can be. I will give him credit, too, in that, like, if he was, if he was, this is going to be weird when I, like, shit on him later in some (laughs) other podcast episodes, so here we go, but if he was, like, actively, like, Uh god-awful, he would not be here. And I think I've said this before where it's, like, the worst you can be in the NHL is inconsistent as a goalie mm-hmm. because if you're a bad goalie, then you're not in the yep. NHL. So, like, he's still got, he still has the flashes, and when he has them, they're utterly amazing. And at some points, he's had them for the flashes have been months at a time. Mm-hmm. So, I, I gotta give him credit. He's second in franchise wins, he's second in franchise shutouts, and he's third in goalie point shares, and he did that all this decade. And as much as I wanna, 
talk shit, mm-hmm. and we will again in the future. And I will be the first man past the post in the we have to trade Jake Allen this summer argument. It's not a personal vendetta. It's not a it's not a performance thing anymore. It's just a financial reality. But I just don't, you know. I I hope and pray and am fairly confident Jordan Bennington will be one of these two goalies if we do this again in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I just think for the same reason I left Berube mm-hmm. off, I left Bennington off. Bennington was harder for me. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I know maybe people think I'm crazy. Apparently 90% of the people think I do. I never even considered Berube over Hitchcock. I didn't even give it much thought. Yeah. Just to me, Hitchcock was so definitive for this team's decade you know Mm -hmm. it was that as much as this is the decade where we won the cup as a decade as a whole thing Mm -hmm. this was the decade of Hitchcock Mm -hmm. you know because I feel like everything pre-Hitchcock as little as it was was like leading up to him and then the Mike Yo years were just picking up the pieces which maybe isn't the strongest (laughs) endorsement but you know what I'm saying like I just feel like that was all him yeah and and uh with Bennington it's a lot harder because he had the incredible season and he's been really good since then and he had the um he had that list he was on with like Dryden and um Tiny Thompson and like six <laughs> other all know, but, Tiny uh, Thompson. I guess that's the only other <laughs> yeah. name I can remember. Peters, Pete Peters. Oh yeah. Uh, but um, and Frederick Anderson. But it just did happen in one year. It's happened in one mm-hmm. and a half years. And yeah, he won the cup, but I just didn't feel like he quite unseated either of these guys. That's, that's my personal take. But I think you know, I totally agree with you that he could be next. Yaroslav Halak probably deserves. Somehow. I know. I was like, we only have like four goalies, mm-hmm. like I said, essentially. And it's like, I want to give them all love because they kind of all did something right. here. Yeah. Like, yeah. those guys are actually fairly consistent and decent. When you can look back at, like, I know we have, we just said we had all those little goalies that were here and there for us. But when you can look back at goalies for other franchises and be like, holy shit, mm-hmm. what a dumpster fire. We actually <laughs> did pretty good. Yaroslav Lock, we mentioned in one we episode, never- too. We never once on this team started Peter Budai. Yeah. We never looked at our goaltender situation and thought, Peter Budai's <laughs> the best we got. That's it. <laughs> I was like, Halak to his head, I mean, not here, but like has had a great decade oh, yeah. for himself. That dude just got his 50th career shutout. I yeah. think we probably mentioned that on Monday, but absolutely congratulations to him. I've still got the poster. Mm-hmm. I've never taken that thing down. Uh, probably should have, but <laughs> um, it's dust. <laughs> probably, but yeah, I mean that's that's the team of the decade. The really cool thing I think about the Blues, and we'll, we can end on this note, hopeful note. I mean, it's not hopeful because we just won the cup, so you know, not like we have, have no, a lot of doesn't need get for better. Hope. But um, God, we got so many good young players too. Mm-hmm. You know, as as much as our our core is slightly over the average age of the league, I think we're at twenty seven point eight, and the average age mm-hmm. is like twenty seven point one. So we're in like the top third. But um, Robert Thomas, Jordan Kyrou, Vince Dunn, Quim Costin, when he gets here, I think Scott Perunovich is is going to be a stud if we can keep him. Um, which I, I don't have a lot of concern about yet, but some people do. Jordan Bennington, man, this list is going to be f- just as fun next decade as it is this decade. <laughs> that is cool to think about. Or to even think about just, like, who you'll trade for. Oh, or, yeah. Like, who you'll get. 
people that I don't even know about yet that will be good that we'll trade for because right now they're twenty and on like, some team like and I don't know who they are. dictates that right uh, just knowing what we know right now, Justin Fox probably on the next decade list. Mm-hmm. And if you told me that in January of last year, I'd be like, "Excuse you, excuse you." Braden Shen's on the list because you'll be here. For yeah, that yeah, yeah, that's just kind of nuts. Uh, so make Alex Petrangelo be on that list, oh, Doug. Oh God, please! I'll put him on anyway. I won't listen to Doug. <laughs> I'll not be shackled. I will not be shackled, and I will not be silenced. The <laughs> Alex Petrangelo extension needs to happen. Please, just do it. You can just do it. It's just money. Just yeah, I do don't it. know what they're thinking. And I know about. this is what I told everybody not to do. But for this one guy, I wouldn't have had you do it for Braden Shen. But for this one guy, just do it. Get it done. Do it, and it's done, and it's done, and. Then and it's done, and it's over, and you never have to do it again. He's just signed. You just have to live with the consequences, and that's fine. Probably okay. We're all doing that together. We're all in it together, Dougie. So just do it. <laughs> just do it. Uh, you have anything else to say about the incredible decade that's been? Blues won the cup. Mm-hmm. Blues won the cup this decade. I think based on this decade, we can expect at least one more cup next. And that's decade. right. That's right. Uh, I guess we can sign off there then. It's been a, a bonusy episode. We've had many qualms and very few qualms at the same time and now we're ready for the decade ahead mm-hmm. three more cups four more cups seven more cups the sky's the limit <laughs> ten if, cups if you resign alex petrangelo <laughs> <laughs> good night everybody happy new year i'd be a fearless leader i'd be an alpha type when everyone believes you what's that like i'm so sick of running as fast as i can Wondering if I'd get there quicker if I was a man And I'm so sick of them coming after you again Cause if I was a man